What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning back in to Millennial Panor Network to the show entitled Rumble Young Man Rumble with me, your host, Vincent Olumal Kung Fatanipo. Today, we dive into it with Paul Arihara, a local mythologist slash social media influencer who has a phenomenal story. We talk about how his journey has cultivated his passion for people. We talk about how his redemption in the service industry has led him into so many opportunities in his life. And we also dive into the importance of family and how he wants to direct the future of his. If you want to learn more about the brand or me, follow us on Instagram, millennialpreneur.us or my personal Instagram, O-L-U-M-A-Y-O-K-U. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Millennialpreneur Network. Rumble, young man, rumble. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a special guest. A gentleman that struck me as like just an amazing person. His story, his goals, his family life, and his perspective on how he wants to shape the future of his family. Random night in the city of San Francisco. Wasn't expecting it, but once I spoke to him, I was like, yo, you need to be on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul. What's up, what's up? Hello, everybody. My name's Paul, uh, last name Adihara, and uh, I've been in the Bay Area for eight years, uh, bartending one night, and uh, just doing my usual thing, and mm-hmm. trying to be cool and real with people, and Olu walked in with his homie, and we just had good conversations like the way that experience should be, you know? And uh, it was like a human to a human, not like a bartender to a customer. And uh, swap stories, and really respected each other's hustle and background, and uh-huh. here we are. Let's go. 100, 100. Thanks, man. You can feel his energy as soon as he hopped <laughs> on the mic. So, I mean, I don't really know where to start. I mean, obviously, this is probably um, a new perspective because we don't know each other, but as soon as we met, I was like, yeah, this, this has to be put on wax. So, can we start in your childhood? Like, how did your motivation get shaped from what your experience was? So let's start your childhood. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Before we get into that, though, <clears throat> I want to say I listened to your podcast, mm-hmm. and I really like that you're diversifying to someone like me. Yeah. I noticed that a lot of the people you talk to I know. Uh, have families, yeah. have college educations, yeah. and so I'm like, and sometimes when I listen to people and they say that, I just blink out. I'm like, okay, I can't relate with these people. I don't have a college degree. I don't have a good family. Mm. And so sometimes when you're doing that, you want to diversify your audience. Mm-hmm. So people like me will go, oh, I'm going to listen to this person because that was my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going to start with my childhood. You know, uh, I was born right out the gate to a not loving family. Mm. The, the op- like everything you imagine someone uh, uh, when you see a loving parent kissing and hugging, I was the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I was born in 1974. I was born in Japan, and uh, my father had issues. He was in the Navy. This is the Vietnam War. I think a lot of people were really messed up back then, just like any other time, but the Vietnam War was really hitting. Um, And I never met my mom. He said that he met my mom at a train station, and, and, you know, whatever. I, I don't know anything about that, but I know... He was having an affair with a Taiwanese lady, so uh, when I was two years old, I was moved to Taiwan, and uh, racism is a, is a real thing. Hmm. It, it's a real thing in the whole world. And, and anybody of Japanese descent 
in the 70s mm. was still the, the memory of World War II and the atrocities of what they did to the surrounding countries mm. didn't brought a lot of anger and uh, hate to the Japanese. Mm. I was half Japanese living in Taiwan as a baby. That's not a good situation to be in. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's, that's an awful situation to yeah. be in. And uh, for the next six years, me and my, me and my uh, sister, we, we took it. You yeah. know, we took it literally. Like we took the beatings, we took just being tortured. Yeah. You know, so the first eight years was was uh, torture. There was no, you know, I always say this. You know, I always get mad when I hear people singing Biggie. You know, birthdays was the worst days because we didn't even celebrate birthdays. Yeah. We didn't even know what it meant. That's the first eight years of our life. You know, wow. Birthdays, a lot of torture, a lot of beatings. Uh, always moving around. We hopped around so much that no one could ever figure it out. You know, so we were in Taiwan. I think moved to Hawaii when we were like four or five, lived on a Navy base, came here to Treasure Island, probably around six-ish, moved out of San Diego. I was just like, man, no stability, hopping from one place. I, I don't remember really anything. Right. Know, schools were nothing. Right. And at eight years old, uh, I do remember this. Me, me, they weren't feeding us. So when we went to school, and this is the irony, you know, later on when you talk about who we are as the fam bam, and people are like, damn, you're eating good. This, this, is, this is the beginning. Child Protective Service came to Santee, they, the sheriffs came to our school, uh -huh. and pulled us out. And this and is why you're already here. In... This is in San Diego, uh, like by San Diego. By Southern San Diego. California. Okay. I'm eight, my, my sister's nine. Okay. And during lunch times, we're, we're eating out of the trash cans and we're stealing people's lunches. So we get pulled out. And uh, they take us into the office. And I'll, I'll never forget this. They asked me, this is a, so this is around 1981, 1982. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, take off your shirt. And I could just hear this gasp. I actually heard people crying because we were all bruised up. Like we were mm. getting whipped and, and beaten and, and not fed. And Child Protective Service picked us up. Mm. That's not actually where the story gets great. It actually... Didn't get worse, but it didn't get better. Mm. From eight to 18, it was one foster home, one institution, one orphanage. We hopped around so much, and then we got split up. Mm. Yeah. So we got split up really quick. Like after a couple foster homes, they just split us up. Mm. And then at that time, that was it. No mothers, no fathers, no grandparents, nobody mm. stepped up. No one came to claim us. And we were in 1981 in the system, like in the system, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like uh, I don't know what I don't think people understand what the system means when you're a kid with no family. Yeah, it, it's a jungle. Yeah, it's like you're just man. They just shove you anywhere. Yeah, you're just going all over the place. So we never went to the same schools. We never went to you could be in a class for a month with this foster home and then yeah. a month later you're. You're with this, and, and it just felt like a, like a farm, yeah. like a farm system. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just moving through the line. Just moving through. Yeah. And so I never established really anything. No eating habits, cleaning habits, health yeah. habits. Structure. Nothing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, went, I was in an orphanage, and then at 11 years old, I got adopted. Yeah. Not into a good situation. Sure. Into, into a really bad situation. And a lot of uh, kids who go into adoption go into bad situations. Right. And it wasn't necessarily that, that the person who adopted us was a bad person. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we were fortunate, you know? They just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. 
And you can't just pick up abused teenagers because you want to feel good about yourself. Right. Like you, you know, like you gotta like have so much love and compassion and want to help and right. willing to sacrifice everything in your life. And right. that just wasn't the case. And this, this, uh, our guardian adopted four of us as mm -hmm. a single, single gay man mm. in 1981. We went to court. Um, he fought. They were trying to prevent it. He fought, and, and unfortunately, uh, it just, you know, he wasn't prepared for it. Right. You know? and, and we suffered. And so I spent most of my, I only lived with them for a couple of years. I spent most of my high school years in and out of uh, institution. Yeah. In, uh, I finished ninth grade, and then I spent 10th, 11th, and 12th institutionalized and incarcerated. Got out on my 18th birthday, and uh, uh, I was on the streets. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, because I remember, I remember that moment in our conversation when we were at the bar, and you're telling me this story, and my mouth is like to the <laughs> fucking bar counter. And you were like, yeah, once I was 18, they were like, hey, figure it out. You're on your own. Not like, hey, here's like resources. They were like, you're 18. Here's the world. Yeah. Man, so it's like for like your whole adolescence and growing up through high school, I'm just like, there's so many questions in my mind in regards to just like, how did you handle all this, bro? Like, on your, on your mind, like, because I know you had to do a lot of self-work, a lot of self-realization at this point, right? Because you're a parent now, too. But, like, in that moment, were there, like, like, acts of God to, like, help you keep going? Like, somebody was just, like, said one positive thing to you, or did something happen to where it kind of shaped you or, like, kept you going? Because you're only one person, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a dope one. It's funny. I don't believe in God. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I listen to your podcast. And, and uh, I don't believe in God. And I'll yeah. tell you why I don't believe in God. Okay. When I was going through, when I was at the orphanage, mm -hmm. they, you know, they don't even call them orphanages anymore. What do they call them now? They don't call them nothing. Just no one talks about it. It's just yeah, people that's like, very true, dude. Like, people, not... we just like, pretend they don't even exist anymore. But we don't say orphanage. That's like Annie yeah, that's and like, that's, that's going back. Now we just, we just, just close our eyes and just pretend this shit doesn't happen. Sure. You know, but um, uh, man, uh, fuck, I lost my track. Well, I was I was just asking in regards to like, oh yeah, yeah, were there moments yeah, yeah, yeah. of like positive influence in the sense of like, oh, I can I can keep going. Like this gives me motivation. Was there sports? Yeah. Was there like girls remember. or cars, something like that? Oh no, you definitely not thinking about that stuff. Like not, at not, all. <laughs> that's what the average kid thinks of. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So for me, you know, the reason why I don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was going through the orphanage system. Mm. The way you work in a, the way it works in an orphanage system, mm -hmm. when, the one I was at, which was Child Help Beaumont in Beaumont, California. Mm -hmm. uh, it still exists. And um, you, would, you would go with the counselor mm -hmm. and they would give you like a book mm -hmm. and it'd be like, this is gonna be your family. And it would have like, the, the, the people who were gonna pick you up make like a scrapbook for you. Wow. And you would go stay with this family. You would go spend the night with them. You would do the process, uh -huh. and then you never hear from them again. Oh, see if they like want you. Yeah, if they don't want you, then you just never hear from them. Did again. they give you like a profile? Or was it just pictures? Was it like their picture and then like their specs? Or was no, it just no, like they would. That's probably the way they saw us as the orphans. Mm. But the way we saw them, they would make like a scrapbook. Wow. So then you would be like, "This is gonna be your brother," and we have a dog, and we have the isquos, like a little scrapbook with pictures. Sure, and everything. Sure. You meet them there, and then. You get to okay, and then you go to their home. Sure. I went to a bunch of these homes. Do you like, remember the count, or is it just like a, a shit ton where you're just like, it just kept happening, happening, happening? Oh, it just kept happening. Wow. Yeah. My, my memory isn't too, 
too strong, but I do remember a lot of things. I remember being with this really rich lady. Yeah. I mean, rich. She was, like, I still remember, like, Loaded. Like, like wealthy. Yeah. I remember stealing all her kids' G.I. Joes, you know? <laughs> <In> <laughs> like, She's probably like, nope, we're passing on this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? 100%. Uh, but, you know, I mean, like, this is what happens when, you're, when you went through what we do. We don't, mm-hmm. We're just wild animals, mm-hmm. you know? We don't know stealing is bad. We don't mm-hmm. know anything is bad. You, yeah. don't know what, you literally don't know anything. Yeah. Everything in life is trial and error. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. taught. Yeah. And uh, I would go through all these homes, and, and I remember there was one family in Vegas, yeah. and I just remember this lady loved me so much. She loves me like the way my wife loves me. Just held it down. She just loved me. Yeah. You could just feel it. Yeah. I was like, this is the kind of person that needs to be adopting kids. Okay. And I just remember she was the only person who did it. And I remember the day they were going to tell me whether I was going to get adopted or not. I remember in the room, I remember getting on my knees. I was like, probably like 10. Mm-hmm. Praying. Praying. Over and over and over, please, please, God, please, God, please, God, if you yeah. exist, please make this happen. Yeah. And I remember her coming in and just crying and bawling. And she told me, we can't adopt you. And I think that was the first time I ever felt somebody love me. You know what I'm saying? And I was 10. And it was so heartbreaking. And I was like, I'm never going to put anything up to anybody anymore. Yeah. From here on out, yeah. is me versus the world. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, they use me versus the world because they're trying to become a basketball player or, or an actor mm-hmm. or a successful business person. Mm-hmm. Me versus the world is like, trying to survive. I got to feed myself. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to give a shit about me. Yeah. Like, this is it. And I knew wow. that at 10. Wow. And I remember when I was at that uh, orphanage, that was the first time I got arrested. I ran away from there. You know, a 10. A 10, yeah. And uh, I ran away, and I remember, <laughs> you know, I ran away, and I was like, just we're at a lake, and I was just like, we're going to go live in the woods, and we're going to go live off berries and shit as a 10-year-old, you know? And we <laughs> like, figured out, like, I figured yeah. out. <laughs> and we figured out probably around 9 o'clock at night, no, this ain't going to work. Yeah. And I remember going to 7-Eleven and just telling the person at the thing, you know, can you please call the police and have, have them pick us up? because we have nowhere to go. Mm. You know, and they picked us up and they put, took us back to the orphanage. Yeah. And uh, from that moment, I can, you know, it's pretty crazy. Like every successful person you will ever read about, when they're telling their story, you can connect the dots. It's this person they met at this part of their life, mm. at this part, they hit this deep low. I mean, whether it's Oprah or just all of them, mm-hmm. you know, I was homeless on a bus. It's always the small things yeah it's always one person mm-hmm. who gave a shit yeah when nobody else gave a shit right and i've had a string of these people yeah and it's funny because you know me and my wife you know i don't get along with a lot of people it seems like it on social media i mean from, from like your initial yeah. like yeah. engagement it's like yo this dude has a great personality yeah. but i can see if somebody fucks with you then you're like yeah dog no way. <laughs> like, yeah, get yeah, the fuck. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. For me, I grew up friend or foe. Mm. Nothing in the middle. White or black. White or black, friend or foe, just that's it, man. Because mm-hmm. I'm wild. I'm a wild animal. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're in the wild, when, you, when you're a wild animal, you're friend or foe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's it. There's Period. nothing in between. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't grown or raised to get up at a bell or do all this stuff, you know, yeah. ding, 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 all right, go to lunch, you yeah. know, ding, 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 go eat, you know, okay, it's five o'clock, let's all have dinner, 
you know, it was out the gate from when I was born, you yeah. know, like eating was, you know, like, okay, I got to go dig out a trash can, you know, like this is how we're going to eat, you know, and it's like, man, throughout my life, it's just been like one, and I don't know if I call it lucky, but yeah, lucky, one mm -hmm. person after another, and it's crazy because sometimes I'll call them up, you know, and be like, yo, Pam, you remember back in the 90s when I was working at the gas station and we would just talk on the phone? Mm -hmm. You saved my life. Mm. because you were the only person I had to talk to, mm -hmm. you know, and I was working at a gas station making $4.75 and mm -hmm. all the homies would pull up and their Acura Integras coming from the clubs, yeah. talking about what college, and I'm sitting here, you know, trying to stay awake, you know, because right. there was no internet, there was right. no Wi-Fi, you couldn't watch stuff at one in the morning, you just had right. to stay awake, you right. know, Ru you know, like, grinding it out, grinding it out and, and having just a, a homie to talk to and just be like, that saved my life, just yeah. that one thing, and, and one person after another, whether I was in New York, yeah. or whether I was in prison, yeah. I always found that one person yeah. that just kept me alive just by being a fucking good person. Yeah, just fucking human being, <laughs> dog. being a human being, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you just, you know, you, you, we're out in the society, and you just can meet the real from the not. Yeah. You can meet the people who 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 will put the Black Lives Matter on the window. Yeah. Su support Asian community. Yeah. Uh, I care about this and I care about that and I care about this, but damn, their lifestyle has nothing to do yeah. with that. They're not really like, about that. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Like it's like just a post or a comment. Yeah. It's like, but and then that's it. That's where it stops. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, it hits because yeah. I needed you people to not be those people. Yeah. I needed you people to actually Care. be the people yeah. that you say. You and for me, because I grew up in that system, it's very easy to meet people who are sincere when they say they support small business mm -hmm. or they really care about black people mm -hmm. or they really care about that. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is look at their lifestyle. Mm -hmm say, okay, well, how many hours have you volunteered? Mm. Okay, or how many, you know, what have you actually done for this community? Mm -hmm. You know, let's go back two years ago and see everybody who was posting how much they cared. Mm -hmm. Now let's go back two years. Now let's go and see the last two years mm -hmm. and let's see how much you cared. Mm -hmm. Or was it just at the moment? Yeah. And being me and having to rely on people. Yeah. Because I didn't have a family. Mm -hmm. Having to rely on human kindness yeah. and, and, and people understanding like, you know, hey man, I didn't grow up like you. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up different, so I'm gonna act different. Yeah. I'm gonna snap different. Yeah. You know, when you go up to a, 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 a animal that's been, come from a good bloodline, that's come from, that was, their parents were taught and raised good, uh, human or animals. Yeah. You will know that. Yeah, wounded or not. When you meet somebody who, or an animal, yeah. who was kicked and punched and tortured and not, you will know that when you meet them also. Mm -hmm. Go try to go pet that dog. Mm. <laughs> go ahead. I dare you. Go pick up that dog and try to get a good old little kiss from them. Right, right. You know? Conditioning. Yeah. yeah. You are going to be terrified because that dog's terrified. Yeah. Humans are the same. Yeah. You know, and it's like Pavlov did the study on the yeah, dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. Human conditioning, right? Yeah. And it's like, for me, one of the hardest things ever is acclimating to this society. Mm. That's the hardest. Yeah, the fake shit. Like, you know? the, like the polished shit. Like the, 
we're going to act like it's this way, but when everybody leaves, it's something else. Right, right. You know, and, and like the very people that are like marching in parades, you know, forgive and accept and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then and they meet you and, you know, I go, rah. Yeah. And they go, oh, shit. You're real. <laughs> like, we don't want your type around here. And I was like, but you were just marching in the parade. Like, yeah. Yeah. accept everybody for who they are and respect their backgrounds. And it's yeah. like, but you're, but you're not doing it. Yeah. Because... Oh, you thought I was one of you because I'm polished now. Yeah. No, this is my facade. Yeah. To this, I'm doing what you people are doing because because yeah. I, I have to. Yeah, 100. percent You know. 100. You know, like. 100%. Uh, so, but I've always, you know, and, and Lina, my wife, has really been instrumental. Yeah. You know, I've been with her for almost eight years. Yeah. You know, and, and I've only been with one other person. I've only had two girlfriends. Yeah. I'm 47. Yeah. There is no. Buddy, besides her and my daughter's mother, uh -huh. that's like, oh yeah, I dated Paul for a year. That, they're not. I'm 47. Two yeah. people. Yeah. And uh, that's because I was locked up and institutionalized. Right. Up until I was 25. Hmm. I didn't have time for a girlfriend. Yeah. I was always getting locked up. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, if it wasn't for people like her, and, and she she's been really instrumental in shaping me. Yeah. Uh, when I got with my first, uh, uh, my daughter's mother, right. the first thing I told her was like, and I told her and her family, just like I told her, like, yo, I'm really fucked up, man. I, I wasn't raised in this society. Yeah. Like, like, you know. Open book. Like, like, man, I like, you know, from 18 to 25, uh, a lot of people listen to gangster rap. Mm -hmm. I was gangster rap. Like, I was literally. out there. Yeah. I was out there doing it, man. Mm -hmm. Stealing cars doing drive-bys, I mean like. All types of shit. Not like once or twice. Like your whole life. Like from 18 to 25. Yeah. When I got on the streets, yeah. NWA had just come out. And you were, on, you were in New York at this time. No, right? I was in Southeast San Diego. Okay, Southeast, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 I, was, I, didn't, I didn't go to New York until 25. So from shit. seven years, the day I became 18. Yeah. Uh, 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 the, you said, they said, oh, go figure it out. It was, I'll give you a ride to the homeless shelter. <laughs> That's all they gave you. That's what they gave me. And I was like, I had got out, I got my GED, I got a job at Pizza Hut at the yeah. customer service, mm -hmm. and I was going to college, Mesa College. I was trying. What were you going like to study? Trying. I was trying to study kinesiology. Okay, sports medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when I was young, I was just super fit. And I yeah. knew at that point, because I had felonies already, yeah. there was so many occupations I couldn't do. So I already knew that you know, I couldn't be a nurse, and I couldn't work in hospitals, mm. and I couldn't be so many things, so my, my world shrunk, mm. you know? And, uh, and, I, and, and I was always fit, you know? Like, I was always in shape, and I was like, damn, I should do that. And uh, that only lasted like a, a semester and a half. Yeah. And uh, everything <laughs> fell apart. I was living with a bunch of gangsters and yeah. drug dealers. Yeah. You know, like, and, uh, and the crazy thing was they all had families. That was the crazy, when I reflect upon that now, I was like, man, I was rolling with a bunch of dudes that all had families. Yeah. I remember, yeah. like, we would go do gangbanger criminal shit, and they would go back home. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you were like, and I'm just chilling at the trap. I'm chilling, like, trying to just figure it out. You know, yeah. I'm, I, between 18 and 25, I must have lived in 10 to 15 places a year. Yeah. Because I always get kicked out. Yeah. yeah, we find out real quick, oh shit, we let a drug dealer in here. Yeah. We, this guy's crazy, you know? Yeah. And so I actually lived that life, you yeah. know? Um, and, and it was just insane. Just, it was one good human being entering my life. Yeah. Like, 
at the right moment, you yeah. know? And it's crazy as much as like, I have, you would think someone like me would have the least faith in people. Mm -hmm. And me and my wife will always say this. Everybody with me starts up here. Starts at the top. Mm. I give everybody mm. the benefit. Mm -hmm. And I just believe so much in people, mm -hmm. so much in humans. Mm -hmm. That's why I like what you're doing. That's why I like this. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because as people like you and I and her, that's mm -hmm. going to make the difference. Mm -hmm. She taught me at, when we met, I was 39 years old. Mm. She taught me how to, to be in this society, how to talk wow. to people, how to communicate with people. Sure. Like she would tell me, like, Paul, you can't do that. And... Like, Paul, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't talk like that. You can't send emails like that. What do you mean I can't send emails like, fuck this motherfucker, that guy's a piece of shit, yeah. to my boss? Yeah. But I'm just, like, I'm just I'm being just honest. Being me. Yeah. Like, nope, can't do that. Yeah. And, and she still does it all the time, <laughs> you know? Like, you can't. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I always argue with her, like, but I can't. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, like, I have this, like, saying, you know, it's, in entrepreneurship, right, it's like, or you going into any endeavor, like, you can have your hopes and, like, there can be, like, a lot of positive things going on, but you have your principles, and you already know what zero feels like, and you're very comfortable because, like, you've, like, you've done it, and you know you can figure it out. So for certain people, there's, like, limits, and then there's, for certain people, there's, like, okay, well, I'll just keep doing this because I don't want to, like, see what the negative part of this is. Like, I feel like for you, you're like, all right, well, if I get disrespected or if this is a thing where I'm, like, not fucking with it, I'm not fucking with it, period, you know? And that's not in a lot of people, you know? A lot of people cannot approach life in that real way because they've never been in a real situation, you know? Um, to dive really back quickly back into, like, 1825, so let's talk about one of these people, right? Um, and then we'll introduce your wife right after we get past New York. Um, but... When, who, who was that first person that you can remember besides the lady that you said adopted you that in your adult life where something clicked and you were just like, all right, well, this is what I should do next? Oh, she already knows the answer to that. It's my best friend, Kat. Mm. So I'm a homegirl cat, a little Filipino girl, just mm -hmm. had so much spunk and spark in her life. Mm -hmm. I met her in seventh grade. And uh, I remember I was going to Keeler Middle School mm -hmm. out in uh, Southeast San Diego. Mm -hmm. And this school was a... Uh, Black, it was all black, Filipino, and Mexican. Yeah. In the hood. Yeah. Like Vatos walking around. This is like the 1990s, you yeah. know? Like essays and Vatos. Yeah. And they'd be like all gangbangers. It was just a, like, I look back at it now, I was like, that was not a school, man. And you didn't get along <laughs> with like the Asian crowd that was there either, right? I didn't, I did, but at that point, I didn't have an identity. See, like today, yeah. I, I, I guess the closest I could feel is Asian American. Sure. But not really. Yeah. Like, you know, like I always said, you know, I wasn't lost and found. <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm saying? When I'm you go in lost and found, it's not like there's <laughs> one style of clothing in there. It's like, <laughs> there could be a Gucci purse and there yeah. could be a, I don't know, something from some thrift shop, yeah, you know? It's like, sure, just sure. everything's thrown in there. So mm -hmm. you, there's no identity in lost and found. Mm -hmm. It's just what everybody left behind, you know? Yeah. And so when you go to orphanages, nobody has an identity. No one's black. No yeah. one in, a, in an orphanage is like, yeah, I'm black. That. I mean, you know, I'm, yeah. you're not black or white or a girl. You're, you're like, where the fuck am I? Yeah. Like, why am I alive? Like, yeah. you know, you don't know anything. Yeah, it's question. You're, just, you're a kid, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're just like, you know, so it's like no one has 
no one has anything yeah. here. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, but um, you know, my homegirl Cat, man. Yeah. She 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 took me in. Yeah. She took me in. I'm still friends with her to this day. Wow. And we and this is the best part. We actually don't have any of the same beliefs, political, religious, anything. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Everything's the opposite. <laughs> we just connect as humans. We just connected as humans. We never yeah. hooked up. I always wanted to hook up with her when we were younger, mm -hmm. but that's just because of desperation. Yeah. And we became so tight. And she's seen me since day one. Yeah. She's seen me through all the lockdowns. The ugliest part. Everything. And she was she was popular. She was like one of the most popular girls in school. Uh, really pretty mm -hmm. and. Uh, she, you know, she would go to LA a lot. She was part of the DJ scene, the party scene, mm -hmm. the racing scene. Mm -hmm. She was like a really, really popular person. And mm -hmm. she, she took me under her wing, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and from 18 to 25, I remember when I was 25, uh, I wanna say 19, I forgot. One of my homies actually, you know, we, we robbed a lot of homes. So I, I would have guns everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember one of the homies uh, committed suicide. He, he was playing Russian roulette on my bed, you know, and, uh, and it was crazy, you know, and, and he died. He died, you know, and, and, and that, that was a low. That was like, you know, you keep thinking you can't go lower, yeah. you know, so I'm like 19 now, and, and this happened. Sure. And I remember, uh, you know, like a day later, I'm scrubbing. At, at this point, I'm just staying from one home to another. Anybody who will let me stay with them. Yeah. People I'm just meeting. Yeah. Like back in the day, I would like, after the bar, I've been like, yo, Olu, you know, that was cool chatting with you. Hey, can I crash at your crib tonight? That's the way it was, man. I was just me, like, you know. Yeah. And, and this guy, I was staying with this family. You know, the dad was in the Navy. Mom's was cheating on him. Yeah. And, and, didn't really care about the family. And right. so they were letting everybody, all the homies were chilling there. Yeah. You know, so I was chilling there. Yeah. And I remember having to like, like clean the, my homies' scalp and brains off the wall. Off, and that was, you know, that was like, it's trippy when I think about that now. Right, right. People Talk don't really know. Anymore. No one goes in and cleans up for you. Right. That's your duty. Right. So it's I remember having house. to scrub for hours, getting it all, all off and witnessing this. And now I'm 19, you know? 19 ish. Still a kid. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm Jeez. like, and my homegirl cat, and I remember I was just like, no one had cell phones back then either. Yeah, house phones. So communication was really hard. Yeah. It's not like you could just text someone, hey man, I'm in a jam, you know? Yeah. I had lost track of her, and I was staying all these, and I remember I was like, somebody I knew, she had moved to LA, and I called her up, I somehow, and I was like, cat, yo, I'm like, she picked me up on the street corner. I still remember it at all my, I, like I traveled with a black trash bag, like a black, like, you know, like a hefty bag. Mm. That was all my belongings. That's mm. how I traveled from one place to mm. another. And I still remember her picking me up on the street corner, you know, black dickies, blue shirt, trash bag, you know, my, my 38, you know, and she picked me up and took me to a better part of San Diego. And now another part of my life began there. So uh, we lived there for a while, you know, um, and uh, I got into drug dealing. Yeah. That's where my drug dealing uh, life began. Right. Before that, I was a house burglar, you know? Yeah. I, I got really good at breaking into homes and, and all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it, for me, I understand when I'm listening to people and they talk about their life. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are so quick to, you know, 
that person's a burglar and they did all these awful things, but circumstances. Yeah, you don't survive, man. Let's switch parents, you know, and see how the story plays out. <laughs> right. You give me your parents uh, who said I loved you and fed you, yeah. and I'll give you my parents, the ones that was kicking you and beating you and watching you eat, and let's see what you turn out to be like at when you're yeah. 18. Always like remember that, you know, yeah. like when you're judging people, like yeah. the circumstances of life, you yeah. know? And so from 18 to, to, to like 21, I was just really a, just every night, like let's go rob a home, yeah. let's go steal cars, let's yeah. go. They didn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. I was just trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Minimum wage was 425. In San Diego, you needed a car. Yeah. You cannot. It's just like everything's You, you needed a car. Yeah. And, and, and minimum wage was 425. And I was working. I always worked at McDonald's and Subways during my teenage years. Mm -hmm. and, and I knew $150 a week wasn't going to cover it. Mm -hmm. Like, people would be like, well, it wasn't as expensive as that back then. But $600 a month yeah. living on your own at 18 wasn't right. covering it. That ain't know? rent. That ain't rent nothing. was 300 right. almost everywhere I went. Right. So at $300 left, usually for food, transportation, everything. Yeah. And that just wasn't enough. Yeah. You know? And uh, uh, when, I, when Kat took me to Mira Mesa, San Diego, I got into drug dealing. Mm. And that was when I started being able to make money selling drugs. Yeah. I, I was a drug dealer for many, 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 many years. Yeah. I, I dealt guns. I would take guns from the poor part of San Diego and give it to like all the wannabe gangbangers in North San Diego. Yeah. Make them feel hard. Figured out your niche. You know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah you know, and then, uh, and then uh, uh, I got into selling um, I remember we were staying at this house, and mm -hmm. they were all doing crystal meth. Everybody. Wow. Yeah. It was a, just a crystal wow, meth house. And, and it was the homies. Uh, family owned this home, yeah. and, and all their kids were doing it. And they were a wealthy family, too. Yeah. I still talk to them, one of them. And, uh, and they were just partying and doing drugs. And yeah. I remember one of them saying, you don't do this? I go, nah. And he goes, you should sell it. Ding, 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 ding. Money. <laughs> I was like... So I, I became a drug dealer. I started selling yeah. crystal meth. I started selling weed. I yeah. started selling acid. Anything I could flip and make Get money. your hands on. Yeah. And I never was really the best at it, but I made enough money to get by. I made more money than I would at 425. Sure. Um, I was always working, though. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. I, was, you know, I was always trying to work. Yeah. You know, so I was either working gas stations. I was working at a stock boy at Kmart. Yeah. These at, like I said, 425, 475 an hour. Yeah. And... Uh, but you wake up and you're just like, you know, what am I doing? Right. There's just nothing. Yeah. You, know? you feel like you're on a hamster wheel. And then mm -hmm. I uh, uh, just, and then I would keep getting arrested mm -hmm. for dealing drugs. You know, like I wasn't very good at it. You know, yeah. like I, I, I was selling out of a 24-hour fitness. I got caught in there. I was selling out of a movie theater in Mira Mesa, San Diego, out of the box office. You know, I was selling out of there. Well, you were working at the movie theater? Yeah, yeah, And yeah, selling yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So they would have to come buy a movie ticket and then also get some crystal. No, we just pretend, you know? Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, they just come up to the box office and, you know, I would slide and they would slide. And, and I used to always think, this is dope. Where, like, you getting, like, <laughs> where, where were you getting these ideas from? Was it more so of, like, I'm trying to be, um, uh, like, secretive about it, obviously, as a drug dealer, but incognito, or was it, like, movies, or, like... I don't know. I, I never from? thought about anything. It was just day-to-day. -day. You, know, you don't put any thought. Yeah, it's just day-to-day like, -day survival. Yeah. There's no, like, game plan. You yeah. know, it's just, like, keep doing this until you make enough money, and you don't have to do this anymore, mm -hmm. and, you know, go buy cars at the auction and flip them, and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just kept getting arrested, and, um, man, I got arrested for breaking and entering to surf shops. I'm... Went to juvie for that. Got a 
arrested for, you know, having weapons on me. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, I had developed a gambling addiction. Mm. You know, um, in San Diego, uh, you could go to Mexico and you could go to these places when you're 18. They're mm -hmm. called Calientes and you can gamble. Mm. You don't have to be 18. Mm. And so I, I created a gambling addiction. So you should just hype it all the way down to uh, always Mexico. Always go there and it was yeah. always about trying to get gambling money, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, gambling is a really awful addiction. Really awful addiction. Yeah. You know, people, people talk about drugs, but man, gambling, gambling is, is crazy. Woo, yeah. You know? Um, and uh, I got into deep and I got desperate and mm. uh, I tried to smuggle, you know, I, I was used, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to smuggle weed across the border. And I, and I know now, looking back, I was set up, you yeah. know. And uh, they busted me at the border, and, and, uh, and I ended up in federal prison on a wow. three-year, 36-month term. Wow. Uh, they lowered uh, my sentence. I did a federal boot camp program yeah. in Lompoc. It yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Um, human, they, did, they were just doing fucked up shit to them to us, so they shut that program down. Mm. But there's a Lompoc federal prison, Supermax, um, and then I was at the ICC, it was called Lompoc Intensive Confinement Center, mm -hmm. where they treated us like military. It was military barracks. Mm -hmm. um, everybody, all the officers, uh, uh, COs were actually ex-military. Mm -hmm. And so it was like military, military uniforms, shining your boots. I did that for nine months, okay. and I worked in the kitchen. Yeah. I was supposed to only do it for six months, uh, fucked up in there got set back, yeah. um, so I ended up doing nine months of boot camp. Yeah. Most people go in the military do it for like four or six weeks, yeah. I did it for nine months. Damn. Every day, waking up at five in the morning till like 10 at night, shutting your boots, marching. Running, lifting. Walking, you know, digging ditches. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, for nine months, and then when I got out, uh, I did the most desperate thing, man. I was like, I, I, I didn't, oh, before I went to federal prison, yeah. I forgot, be right before I went to federal prison, I was gonna go rob a Pizza Hut, armed robbery. My homie was setting it up. We we're gonna go in there, we we're gonna tie everybody up, go in yeah. the safe, like do that, right? Yeah. And I knew, I knew I was gonna, I, I knew it wasn't gonna work out. I just had that feeling. You got that gut feeling. And I found my birth father. He was the last, and I, and, I, and I told him, I was like, hey man, I'm about, you know, I got felonies, I'm desperate, I'm about to like go rob this. They're gonna put me away for life. Please help me. And this is to the guy who was awful to us, wow. who beat the shit out of us, and and did all, that's that's how low I hit in my life. Where was he at life. at this point? Was he in the United States? He was or? still in the same house that they had pulled me from. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is 1981. Wow. Like child abuse wasn't really a bad thing back then. Right, you, you know, jazz beat, yeah. Yeah, so in 1981, you could do awful things to your kid. Yeah, I still have the report. I have the report at home. The the report when they took me. Yeah. And the and they're diagnosing me. Yeah. You know, and 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 like, it's crazy when I'm reading it. Yeah. You know, and this is how I know I was eating out of the trash can, and because it's in the report. Like yeah. I have a, a an an actual official state document. Yeah. I have it at my home, you know, wow. and. Um, it was funny because when I read it, it, it brought up a lot of stuff that I had forgot, you know. Right, right. And I had went to the devil, you know, to ask for help, you Pretty know. Much. You know, and 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 uh, he he set it up so I could go to New York City. Man. And and if there's ever a thing I could be grateful for, the worst person in my life, is yeah. that if that didn't happen. That olive branch. But. Yeah. It also, you know, sometimes you have to go to the worst person on the planet, the one you hate the most, yeah. 
and like beg for mercy. They're like a life lesson. I don't think a lot of people truly understand. Most people, when you get into an argument with them, mm-hmm. they can't even forgive you and shake hands and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I've gone through so much shit with people. Because mm-hmm. once people realize who I am, yeah. and they, you're going to realize real quick when you, when you fuck with me, like, I don't fuck around. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, it goes straight. If you're about drinking and doing drugs and you just want to get rich for the sake of being rich, yeah. get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. I don't give a, Like, I'm trying to meet people who are trying to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Real talk. And then I meet like one every, once at one, like a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I meet thousands of people because I'm a bartender and yeah. I, I, I like it, it, it. You know, it's like anybody who wants to like be offended by that is like, let's sit down and let's, let's really go over what this shit's really yeah. about. Let me, let me let's tell Let's look you so at the, much. let's look at your life report. Like you said earlier, yeah. let's look at like A, B, C, yeah. and D. Like yeah. what are you actually doing? Or yeah. are you just talking? Yeah. Damn, yeah. that's crazy, so, dude. So, you know, like having to go there. And I remember, I remember going to his house, mm. this house that I was pulled from. And, you know. What I, was that feeling like? It's like, you're driving back up to the house you were pulled from, about to see this guy that just like totally Everything up. Him, him and as my, my stepmom, you know, and, and, and the first thing my stepmother said, that's the craziest thing, she opened up the door, she was fucked up. Uh, Drugs she, or she, just like She mental. was, my stepmother was Chinese, Taiwanese, living in an abusive relationship with two, two teenage kids. My father had left our mother, took us. Sure. I'm pretty sure it was kidnapping. Yeah. Took us, because it's 1974. Right. And you know, uh, a white Navy guy, military guy. If he, it's funny because most of the time it was the opposite. The, they would just bail. Mm. He actually snatched us. Mm. Like, he was trying to make her life hell. And, and we had this, and he went to go save this Taiwanese lady, who's our stepmom, mm-hmm. from an abusive relationship. And, um, and how do you think that played out for me and my sister? Mm. We, we got it from our, our teenage step brother and sister who were messed up or mm-hmm. we got it from everybody yeah. we were beat with we got it from everybody yeah. you know and uh she opened up the door first thing she said was i thought you were going to come back here one day and kill us that's what she said the irony of that was a few years later my birth father murdered her and took his own life Ain't that some crazy shit? That is the craziest shit ever. And I was like, you feared me? Do you know who the fuck you married? In your home. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so like, you know, this is, this is the person I had to go and ask for help from. Yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? I had yeah. to go ask help from. What was that conversation like? Like when, when you called them, was it just more of like uh, a silent gasp or was it like, I'm, I'm sorry a little bit. Did he sound remorseful or was it more so like, I don't know, what, what was that? What was the vibe you were getting in that conversation? Ah, man, he was psychopath. He was, he was, he was crazy, you know? Yeah. He was just crazy. He was just, he was crazy as fuck. Yeah. That was it, you know? He was the black sheep of his family. Yeah. I learned that later on. Yeah. Um, my uh, father's side of the family, Yeah. Uh, is from Alabama, and they're all around Virginia. And I think I told you this before. It, the heartbreaking thing about finding out about my, my father's side of the family mm-hmm. is when I, I found out they were teachers, and mil- they were all military officers. Yeah, stable. My, my, my grandparents 
were in the Marines. They were in the office. They were both officers. Yeah. My, uh, all my aunts and uncles mm. were like in the Air Force and the Navy. They were all officers. They became mm. police officers, they became teachers. And mm. I was like, none of y'all ever showed up and said, we will claim these kids. Mm. Nobody. And they knew about you guys. Oh, they knew about us. They knew everything. You know, and I was just like, and he, you know, I talked to my uncle recently. Yeah. I never met him. You know, he's a, He's a lawyer, he runs a firm, he's yeah. a police officer, he's like, and he just used to tell me, he was like, listen, back then, you know, when someone wanted to just bail, they just, they just bailed, you know, and, and, and you don't know what's, there, it's, there was no internet. Mm. <laughs> so if someone just said bye-bye, that was it, bye-bye. Yeah. You know, you, you couldn't reach out to people. Yeah. I remember when we were going through the adoption process, uh, my birth mother actually did send a letter. My sister has a copy of the letter. Yeah. Where she was saying she was trying to get us and that was it. But this was 1981, right. trying to, from Japan to America. Yeah. It took weeks for a letter yeah. to get from one point right, to another. Right. And from what I know, the very little know of my mom, uh -huh. she didn't come from a good situation in Japan either. Sure. And supposedly, you know, my, my father met her at a train station. And, you know, my father had told me she was a prostitute, hmm. you know. And I don't know if that's true or not, but mm -hmm. like, you know, you think about this shit, like, when you see prostitutes on the street, mm -hmm. they actually do have kids. Right. They you have know? lives. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's like, it's crazy when I think about my life and I reflect on that. I'm like, yeah. man, this, these are the people I was, that yeah. brought me onto this planet. Yeah. You know, and so, it was, uh, it was crazy talking to this guy, you know, and it was just like, you, he was empty inside. Yeah, you know? just, there was no correlation to, like, Damn. connection. He was just fucking, like... Uh, off the Richter. He had no friends, yeah. you know. Uh, realized that he had no friends. Yeah. The the stepmom was very dominating and, 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 and controlled everything, you yeah. know. And uh, but he got me to New York. So he, he called he called a connection or was it like he was I, just like here's five hundred bucks or what? No, I stayed with my stepmother's family. Wow. Uh, my stepmother's family who Jesus owned Christ. a China, a construction company in Flushing Queens. They owned a construction company in Flushing, Queens. Yeah. And I remember getting out of prison and did the furlough, work furlough, and, and did uh, the halfway house after, and uh, went straight to New York. I'd never been on the East Coast. Uh, this is, once again, pre-internet, so you can, it's not like you went online <laughs> and looked for a job, or they spoke Chinese, they barely spoke English. Yeah. And I remember they showed me my room, it was in the basement, there was like this one inch mattress, mm. and that was it. Nothing, no shelves, no nothing. Mm. And they put me to work like slave labor mm. in their construction company. Mm. They were paying me $50 a day, working 10 hours a day, sweltering heat, mm. bending bars, just taking up rocks. Just, and I just remember I kept thinking to myself, I speak English. I should not be doing this job. Mm. Because this is a job that people who don't speak English do. Right. Because if they did speak English, they wouldn't be working at this job. Right, you know right. So how long did you do that for? I did that for like a month. Yeah. And then, you know, I remember uh, they were complaining about me. And then, and then my, uh, my dad told me, like, listen, you can't stay there no more. You know, they want you out. And I was just like, right. oh, fuck, you know. Yeah. And um, I remember you had to get, you know, looking for apartments and homes and all that. You had to grab a paper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, so I was looking for places. I had no idea what any of these neighborhoods were. Yeah. And I ended up moving to Flatbush, Brooklyn. From Forest Hill, Queens, I moved to Flatbush, Brooklyn. And at that time, crazy in Flatbush, huh? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, took the man. two train all the way at the end next to Brooklyn College. Yeah. And I remember taking the train during the daytime, like, oh, this is cool. White, black, Asian, mixed people, it's cool, cool, cool. That's because I was by the college. At nighttime, it became a whole different scene. I was like, oh, fuck. You know, like, I don't match nobody in this neighborhood. Mm. You know, and, and it was mostly black neighborhood, but like East Indian, like Haitian and, 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 and it, you know, whenever you're in a community, black, white, Asian, and you're not from there, <laughs> you're gonna feel intimidated. Especially when it's one o'clock at night and it's a yeah. high crime neighborhood. Sure. It don't matter what the race is. Yeah. If you're not one of them, yeah. you know, and that's how I felt. You know, I was like coming home at one in the morning, always eyes bright, yeah. hearing gunshots, yeah. you know, always reading about watching the news, people getting shot, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I just knew, man, I was like, Ooh, yeah. I'm in the jungle now. Yeah. You know? Because you had come from Sandy, post San Diego, you've had a perspective of being in the streets, but like now you're on a whole nother coast. So you're like, all right, I know what goes on in my parts, but like this is like a new type of energy, right? So you're trying to figure it out by like what's what. And then you're also trying to live this like civilian life now where you're staying out of jail. Yeah. So I can imagine what that duality is like. You're just trying to like, like was there any point in New York where you're like, oh, I know what that is. I could just go sell this or yeah. take this. Okay. Actually, I'd done some telemarketing, okay. you know, in the 90s. Yeah. I was never good at it. I did a lot of call center stuff. Yeah. You know? So those jobs I had done, I had done a bunch of call center. Back then, you know, telemarketing jobs, they would always hire. Right. Telemarketing jobs, you could always get a telemarketing job, and everybody would do it for like four weeks. Right. When 99% of everybody realized how awful they were at it. Yeah. And how hard out. it is yeah. just to call people, cold call, you know? Yeah. But I did it, you know? Yeah. I, I found this place in Queens, yeah. and, I, and I swear we were doing some illegal shit. It was like selling? in someone's home, you what, know? What were y'all selling? <laughs> I want to say, I can't, I want to say it was like a new subscription or something. Oh, some shit. But I, I, I think we were stealing people's information. Just scam. I think that's what it was. Yeah. And I just remember like thinking like, I'm on, like, I'm on probation. Like, this is, <laughs> I know something so shady about this. Yeah, I could feel it. And, you know, I remember calling my homegirl from a payphone. It's just My cat. homegirl cat. Okay. Damn, cat's like, the, the first cat's angel. Cat's the homie. Yeah. She's a homie, man. Yeah. And she's like, she's been there day one, yeah. you know? And uh, my sister was fucked up. She went through worse shit than I did. Mm. You know, she went through worse than I did. She stayed in SD or where, where was she? She was, I didn't know, I didn't, wasn't really in touch with my sister. Because remember, we got split up. Right. At that yeah, point. yeah. So me and my sister didn't really oh, live together. We got adopted. She got adopted twice. So we got adopted by the same guy. And, um, and uh, I am, to a certain degree, grateful for that, that he did that. But mm. she didn't have a good life that either. Mm. And uh, when we were 18, she, she was heavy into drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. She was heavy into drugs and alcohol. I never was. I was about hustling. I was yeah. about coming up. I was yeah. about, you got your bread. let's go rob a home and come up. Let's yeah. go do this. And you, you know, she, yeah. she, she fell into the drug thing yeah. hard, hard, yeah. man. And she, she just had an awful experience, you know? And so we went our own ways, you know, and, and I was, I got out of jail when I was 18. Mm -hmm. I spent my 18th birthday locked up. <laughs> and uh, when I got out, I have no, I actually have no idea. I don't, yeah, for those years, we just never the connected. Space, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so I was over there and um, I kind of lost my, my thought right there. Well, we're, we're in New York now. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You've done oh, yeah, telemarketing. Yeah. I called up now. my homegirl. Yeah. Yeah, I called up my homegirl, Kat. Yeah. 
And when we were, I had always worked at like McDonald's and Subways and Jack in the Box and uh -huh. stayed at like these little fast food joints. Uh -huh. uh, when we were in Mira Mason, she had picked me up off the street hmm. and she took me to this home. Me and her both worked at a restaurant called Tony Roma's. And that was the first restaurant that I ever worked at. And I was a busboy and a, a cook. Huh. And me and her worked in the restaurants. The cook, while you were in jail, you worked in the kitchen. I did. Did you know how to cook before that? No. Whoa. No. 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 Damn. So I, worked, I got to work in the kitchen when I was in. And that's like the best job oh, ever when you go to. Dude. When, you, when you go to like, I think working commissary and working the kitchen is like, yes. <laughs> you know? Like, whoo. Yeah. yeah let's when, go. So keep notes, everybody. All, all you future criminals, try to get into a federal prison kitchen. You'll do great. You know? <laughs> you, you can figure it out after. Man, so crazy. Okay, so you're working in the kitchen now in this place. And, 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 and me and her worked there. Yeah. And so uh, I remember calling her and I was like, Cat, I'm done. I'm a, like, I remember, I literally said this. I'm just going to go snatch purses until I get caught. You know? I'd just rather go to federal prison. It's just way easier, man. Yeah, it's just, you already it's, institutionalized it. Yeah, too. this is too hard. This is too hard trying to, trying to figure this out. Yeah. How to, you know, On your own, too. Like, yeah. I was hungry. Yeah. Like, I was hungry every literally, day. Like, literally. literally I, was, I, was, I was eating at the Burger King and the McDonald's dollar menus. I was surviving. I was literally living off, like... I would go there with change and like, you know, like you ever seen that? Like when people are like, when you're standing in line and someone is yeah. like buying like three cheeseburgers and change, yeah. that was me for years, years. Yeah. I would like the dollar with the thing and that's how I would live off of like three cheeseburgers. But when I was living in Forest Hills, I didn't have a kitchen. So I couldn't like, before I would buy like top ramen for yeah. 10 cents a pack right. and, and, or buy a rice cooker yeah. and just buy rice and eat it with soy sauce. And I yeah. did that for years. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, I know what it's like to go hungry. You probably do. And for days. Even, <laughs> even, but I did this for years yeah. and years and years yeah. and years and years. Yeah. And I was living off the dollar and I was just like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. She's like, why don't you go be a waiter? Growing up in Santa, you know, Lina will always tell me, in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. and this is what I realized about the Bay Area in New York, mm -hmm. it's very different than everywhere else. Mm -hmm. When I was living in San Diego, I never saw a person of color, or really uh, being a waiter or a bartender or a manager. Mm -hmm. The 1990s San Diego restaurants were dominated right. by white people. Yeah. If you saw an Asian person, it was usually an Asian girl an Asian female yeah. as a waitress yeah. or a bartender, yeah. you never saw a Mexican dude or a black dude yeah. or an Asian guy yeah. as a waiter. Yeah. That was, we were dishwashers in, in, in the back of the house. Yeah. You know, and uh, so the thought of me being a waiter never, never crossed. And, and also didn't really know how much money they made. Yeah. And I remember getting my first job. I, w I went around, this is like, you know, Strapping on your Tims, mm -hmm. like grabbing the village voice. Is uh, it snowing at this point? Yes, because I had moved there in August, hmm. you know, and I had um, uh, worked the construction job mm. and the telemarketing thing. So mm -hmm. this is around like December now. Ooh. And I, I'm giving up. Yeah. I'm like, I'm giving up, man. Yeah. And uh, I remember looking for these jobs. The paper would come out once a week. Sure. So you had to be on it. Right. You couldn't like wait three days. Right. Back then, you know, like when that paper came out, you had to be there next day, rain, wind, storm, blizzard, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And there was no internet, so I had to figure out the train system, yeah. you know, and uh, man, I just remember putting on my Tims and walking everywhere, like through the snow, through getting lost in Brooklyn, like, ah, oh, like, you know, going on the wrong train. Yeah. And it's defeating. 
to have to look for jobs like that. Mm. You know, just like foot patrol and, and you feel so low of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you walk into these places, like these places aren't gonna hire me. Yeah. And I just remember being so intimidated by looking at these restaurants. Yeah. Like everybody was so polished looking and they yeah. looked small, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then I started hitting the chain restaurants and, and I got hired. I got my first job in New York City uh, as a waiter at Hula Hands in the Empire State Building. Still friends with a lot of the crew. Still friends with them. Love those people. Yeah. Life-changing moment. The biggest life-changing moment in my life was getting hired at that job. Mm. That was the first time I went from $150 a week to $250 a night. Just like that. Do the math. That's like $150 a week, $250 a night, you're making $1,000 a week. Mm -hmm. And on the busy, in the busy months, way more than that. Mm -hmm. um, going from $150 to like $1,000 a week. Mm -hmm. That's almost 10 times, so if you're making Say you're making $70,000 a year, $60,000 a year. Imagine if you made $600,000 a year. Mm -hmm. That's a life-changing moment. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. To go from minimum wage to $1,000 a week yeah. was life-changing. Damn, that was life-changing. Like, I could buy clothes, I could go out to eat, and this is when I'm 26 now, you know? Oh, no, 25, 25, I'm still 25. And I'm like, this is the first time, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was very unfortunate because I had no guidance. And like anybody who goes from that much money, it all went to my gambling addiction. Yeah. I didn't save it, I didn't invest it, I didn't, I didn't know how to do any of that. Yeah. No one taught me about banks. I can even have a bank account because I was committing bank fraud. So I can have a bank account for seven years. This is during 18 to 25 when I was just right. wilding out. Right. And we were doing all kinds of, I remember. Your record's probably crazy at yeah, this point. Yeah, I was like depositing <laughs> fake like envelopes saying I deposited $300. And you didn't was like give a fuck. In there. You know, they, back then you could deposit your check and it would spit money back out. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, blank envelope, you know. Easy, yeah. And uh, so I couldn't have a bank account for uh, seven years, you know. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so like, my money was just going, you know. It was just flowing and coming. I was like, oh, my God. And I had no goals, no direct, I, I didn't have that guidance. Yeah. No, but I wish, you know, this is like, I wish somebody would have told me back then, like, dude, okay, this is what you gotta do, man. You're making this much money, first thing you gotta do is have a plan and a strategy with it. Yeah. Invest it, pick up some new skills, yeah. you know, do this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and this is what I really wanna do with my life, with our life. Yeah. To, to do this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like, and then unfortunately I had this window of opportunity where if I just would have had one person, anybody, mm. that's like, man, you're making so much money and no one's ever taught you how to control anything, control mm. your mouth, control how you eat, control mm. nothing. Mm. You know, you just gotta play your cards. No one did that for me, yeah. so I lost it all. And then 9-11 um, happened. And right when I thought my life was good, right when I thought I was like, yo, I'm killing it now. I'm up. Boom. Lost both my jobs. People are losing their jobs like crazy. Restaurant industry collapsed heavily mm. in New York City. Immediately. Um, all I had was chain restaurant experience. So chain restaurants were solely reliant on tourism. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have the experience to get into like the neighborhood restaurants, the high-end restaurants. Sure. And uh, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in my life was at that moment. I went back to like coins to get food, sneaking past the landlord every day, you know, just like 
oh my man, I don't I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I'm yeah. gonna do this, you know. Mm. And I got a little help, you know. I, I met my best friend in New York. You know how you say, you know, like you ever meet people? Mm -hmm. And uh, Kat was uh, my my West Coast homie that helped me out. Mm. Then I met my East Coast homie, mm. and this is where my life changed. And uh, he was looking; they were looking for a roommate, and um, there was three of them. And I met him, and he didn't want me as a roommate. The the girl he picked no showed, so they I I got it. Yeah. And me and him ended up becoming best friends. And, wow. And my homie. Was privileged, very yeah. privileged. Yeah. He came from a, a, a good family. Yeah. His parents had immigrated from uh, Vietnam, opened up a couple of restaurants in Connecticut. His brother was going to Columbia University. Wow. He was highly educated. He went to Quinta, Quinnipiac. Um, he worked at Ernest & Young too, just like you did. Yeah. Uh, he worked in, you worked at Ernest & Young, right? No. Oh, My you did? Oh, oh your I told you. Oh, I think okay. I told you about that because yeah. I, I, uh, when I was in college, I worked downstairs for Brothers and Young oh, okay, cool, cool, at yeah. the Champs. Yeah. But so. shit, I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> but he worked at like Arthur Anderson. He was in the finance room. Okay. He had he money. When 9-11 mm -hmm. happened, mm -hmm. he went and bought a $1,000 mattress. And, you know, his mom had money. Very light. He wasn't stressing. Very light. You know, I was stressing. I was going in his room stealing his money. Yeah. Uh, and like I was stealing his money. Yeah. And he knew I was stealing his money. Yeah. And I would buy food and buy pizza and... And all that. Me and him just, he took me under his wing for seven fucking years. My homie took me under his wing. He would never let me be homeless. Man. And, and this was a, a guy who was moving up the ranks. And I remember I hang out with him and all his finance guys, and they were all in suits. He was balling. He yeah. would buy these million dollar condos, and, and, and uh, he would buy like a 600 foot, square foot condo and take like a quarter million dollars and, and, and gut it out and put Italian marble. I, I was sleeping on like a $20,000 couch. Like with him, like crazy, and he, he never gave me money, <laughs> but he never let me be homeless. Yeah. When I after September 11th, I went to Miami, mm. and uh, you know when things didn't work out, yep, you could come back and stay at my place. Mm. You know, and uh, he was the crutch. It was amazing, and uh, and then when I met in Miami, um, this is where like the third phase of my life begins. You know, mm. fourth phase. You know. Uh, I met my uh, daughter's mother. Mm -hmm. That was bad. That was bad, man. The that relationship? The whole experience. Okay. Like, uh, I was taken for a ride, man. Yeah. I was taken for a ride. Because at yeah. that point, I had got really good at bartending and waiting. Yeah. I was making, now I was making money. I was Down there. Two to five hundred dollars a night. Yeah. Oh, I was killing it. Yeah. 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 And you had that fire, that hustling. Yeah. Yep. Nothing was gonna stop you. I was working two jobs. Yeah. I was making so much money. Man. Yeah. And it's crazy when I look back at my life now and everybody would tell me, right? Paul, you were getting took, you know. And I would always tell tell my friends, like, well then why the fuck didn't you say anything? Yeah. You know, and she would say that too. I'm like, why why didn't you say anything? People just don't you say don't anything. Know. You, you know? Don't and, know. Yeah. And uh man, I, I, I suffered. Yeah, I suffered. I got took, you know, and this, this is where I really feel for people who have no families. Yeah, it never stops when you don't have a family, when you don't have a family. Yeah, you are a victim to you, you're you're prey to vulnerable. everybody. You're, you're so vulnerable. Man. Yeah, you're so vulnerable. Yeah. And, and, and if you have no family and you marry into a family and shit goes wrong, it is one against the family. It's even worse. It's not family versus family. Yeah. And they can do whatever they want to you, yeah. you know? They can do, you know, uh, they say like serial killers and all that will go after prostitutes. 
because I know a lot of prostitutes don't have nobody looking for them. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and I and I got took, man. Man. I got took, and uh, and I I can I can only see this now. Yeah. When I look at myself and how I was getting played Replay. and man, I was just shoveling. I had this moment in my life where I was hustling so hard. Mm. I was making so much money. I, I bartended at ESPN Zone in Times Square. Mm. I was getting all these good jobs. I, I was doing my own little shady stuff too, you know? Yeah. And, a little uh, hustles in here. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like, you know, I was still, I was, you know, getting weed from San Diego, going to San Diego and packing up weed by the yeah. bricks and having it shipped to, to New York and, yeah. and flipping it. And yeah. Before you can, like these days, you'll get caught quick, but yeah. back in the day, it was a little easier. Stealing, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't do it these days. Yeah. Um. <laughs> back then, I don't even know if it was easier back then. I just was you just do it. Yeah. 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 You know, and I was. In their statue of limitations. Stealing every, from, stealing from every register I could yeah. work at. And, you know, if I was making 300 a night, I was walking with 600. Yeah. You know, it was like, yeah. you know, one drink for the house, one drink for me, you yeah. know? And like, you know, it's just like, like, that's the, you know, that was wild, that was you know? Culture. Yeah. And uh, I had this moment where I was making so much money, man. And it, and I remember being with my ex. I'm like, like, you know, I met her. She was going to college. She didn't want to go to, she didn't want to do this, you know? And I was like, why don't we go to New York and, you know, I'll hustle, I'll just work and we'll make all this money and, and I'll, and she, you know, she was doing nails and I was like, I'll open up all these nail salons. That's how my mind has always been, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, how do I come up? How do I come up? Franchise, you know? yeah. You know? And it, it didn't work out that way, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I remember when I lived in New York and I was working all these restaurants, I would go by all these art schools. This is where the fan bam is gonna come in now. Yeah. I would go by all these art schools and I would see all these Apple computers and I would trip out and I'd be like, that's so cool, you know, yeah. and like editing was like really, home editing was just becoming a thing in the early 2000s. Yeah. You could buy the Apple iMacs and do the home editing, and I did. Yeah. And I was started to edit videos in the early 2000s. <laughs> Burn them on DVDs, wow. put an actual label yeah. on them, put them in like a DVD cover, and go to the post office and, and buy the manila envelope and, yeah. and mail them to my friends on the West Coast and be like, check out my life. Like, this is what I'm doing. And now you just, in 10 seconds, you yeah. just post it. But back then you actually had to, you know, burn it on a DVD, yeah. do all that, mail it. Yeah. One week later, did you get it yet? Did you get yeah. it yet? Yeah. You know, a week and a half later, did you watch it yet? Did you watch <laughs> it yet? You know, and, uh, and I, I remember always like, I want to be a film editor. I want to be an editor. I want to be a filmmaker. Mm. I want to be a storyteller, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I had to set all that aside, yeah. and I watched every penny I made get drained from me. Mm. And uh, for all the worst Reason. things, for yeah. all the worst reasons, just yeah. taken from me. Yeah. And I just didn't have any guidance. Yeah. Nobody was there to tell me yeah. anything, you know? Yeah. Just getting picked apart from one, one person, one, one family, yeah. one, one, one thing after another. One situation after if another. If it wasn't hurricanes in Florida, or mm -hmm. September 11th, or mm -hmm meeting the wrong people, but always along the way, I always yeah. met great people. Yeah, yeah. You know? okay. So do like, okay, these pivotal people in your life, and then we'll, we'll transition to the fan band, because I, I think that you've captured this story and people have a visual of like, yeah. how you grew up. Um, but like these people, do they like talk to you about how fascinating your story is and like how, do you like see yourself? Like, because you know, some people can't see themselves because they're in the frame. Yeah. Do you to spend time to reflect or do you reflect with these friends that seen you the whole time and kind of like 
give you a perspective how fascinating like these pivotal moments are in your life. Like new people or old people? Are... No, the people that have like cat, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, does she say like, yo, this is like phenomenal that like you're striving and you're like all the time. It's crazy. She's dude. my homegirl. She's she's like, she's like outside of my wife, she is really an amazing human being. She like. She's an amazing. She's the kind of. She's just like my wife. Like they would save anybody they could. Yeah. They would save anybody they could. You know, it's yeah. like it's really cool. And uh, she's Filipino. She's married. She's married to a guy from Jamaica, Queens. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they're. Oh, I think you told me about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, she's okay, okay. To a guy okay, from Jamaica, okay. Queens. He's yeah. the coolest dude ever. Yeah. Coolest dude ever. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, you know, she she her her cousin was in the Philippines mm. and was like, "Cat, I need help." She. Bought the plane ticket, flew out to the Philippines, picked her up, took her home, and they're raising her right now. She's that kind of homie. You know what I'm saying? about that. She helped me when I needed a place, a person she, no one wrote me more in the 10 years I was locked up Mm -hmm. than she did, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, Just caring. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. she was just so dope, man. And like, uh, you know, she went through her uh, her issues, you know, her father was was bad, you know? she just took me in, man. Yeah. And, you know, she went through a bunch of family stuff, but she always took me in. And yeah, she tells me all the time. She just we just talked a couple of days ago. Yeah. She's like, "Yo, you, Paul, man, you, everything, you know, you manifested your life. Like I watched it. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy watching all these people. Like now, like when I left San Diego, I went to federal prison, yeah. and I'm pretty sure everybody back then was like, up. Oh. And I remember when I would go back, and people would be like, this, people would say this, you're still alive." And that was what I heard a lot between when I, would, when I first went to New York and I started waiting tables. And I, I could afford plane tickets. So, of course, the first thing I did was fly back to San Diego to see how much drugs I could buy to bring to New York. Of course. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, but then I remember people would be like, you're still alive. <laughs> like, people, because I was crazy. Yeah. I was crazy. You know, yeah. we were, I was doing crazy stuff. Like, like um, you know, I tell people, I tell my wife a lot of times, I can't listen to rap music at all. Like, I cannot listen to it. puts you back into a frequency? Or yeah. yeah. You said it right. Man, so people, few people can understand that. Yeah, it's real. That's bro. the word, the frequency. It's real. You just, yeah. you forget. Yeah. Inside you is a wild animal. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't take much, you, you know, like, to, to like, you know, some people like say, oh, you want to get gangster with it. Yeah. I'm real. I'm I don't, the I don't real understand. <laughs> like, like, you know, back in the day, it was like, I would say this. I got nothing to lose. Yeah. I don't have nothing to lose. Yeah. Like, Absolutely nothing. You don't want to mess with someone who has nothing to lose. Mm. You know, mm. like that's they, they, I don't care if they're one tenth your size. Mm. You don't want to you don't want to cross and yeah. you know, it's like, man, I'm so happy I don't have that that thought process in, yeah. my, in my head yeah. anymore. Yeah. But yeah, no mm. man. Cat my homegirl cat was like she was she was the deal, you know. Yeah. She was always there for me. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean I, I just want to acknowledge you mid-episode because it's like, man, it's phenomenal to sit across from you for you to articulate it in such like an intelligent and like um, realized way, you know, because yeah. you've been through like a lot. And then after a lot was like a lot and then a lot, you know? It's never stopped. It's still yeah. not stopping. We're yeah. still going. We're still going yeah. through our, like not me and her, but we're still going through private stuff. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm still getting attacked. Yeah. You know? I'm still getting that. attacked and... Off mic, I'll tell you some stuff, you know? Yeah. But, like, it will never... You know, I always tell people, like, when people meet me, yeah. 
it's only two things you think of me to this day. Yeah. This is the dopest motherfucker. I love this guy. Yeah. Or they hate me. Mm. It, there is nothing in the middle. Yeah. You meet me. You already made a decision. Yeah. That's how I get to people. Yeah. And and I know those people. Yeah. I feel it. You yeah. know, because I I grew up with kind of instincts a lot of people didn't grow up with. Mm. Because like I'm a wild, I'm yeah. wild, you know? Yeah. So friend or foe, you know? Yeah. I'm gonna meet you right out the gate, yeah. friend or foe. Yeah. That's how I'm gonna decipher this. Yeah. How you come at you me. You can sniff that shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For you sure. Know? And it's caused a lot of problems in our relationship. Yeah. You know, because you could at, tell a fake motherfucker from down the street. But a, a lot of times when they're associated with us too. Sure. And it's like, you know, and I have to hold back, you know. Yeah, and it's, a, it's I can tough imagine. Because it's just like you know, like if I could bring Lot aside, I would just talk like the way I talk, you know, mm. like, yo, we're done, homie. Yeah. Like, you know, clock's ticking. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy life. You yeah. Know? And yeah. Uh, I just want to, you know, I always think in my, you know, you always think in your life, right? All the things you wish somebody would have gave you, mm -hmm. you know, you should give that to other people. Mm. And for me, it was just guidance. That's all I wish. I don't even fucking want love. Mm. You could throw love in the trash can. Mm. I would take guidance over love. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you don't have to put someone who's been abused and grew up in a loving home. Yeah. You just got to give them some guidance because right. they're 18. Right. And it's a real world. You're, you know, you got to go in the real world. They got to know things, yeah. you know? And we don't have enough guidance. Yeah. We don't have enough guidance. We don't have enough mentorship. Yeah. We live in a society where everybody is focusing so much on yeah. getting ahead. Yeah. We leaving so many people behind. Yeah. And the it's advantages that people have, uh, especially through education and structure and guidance, when those people aren't doing really a lot to give the guidance and all that to people who don't have it. Yeah. And I say that not by opinion. I was in the system. Nobody was there for me at 18 yeah. to teach me nothing. Man. You know? And, and you just realize this. How many people come from families where their parents are drug dealers, locked up, and they just have no guidance. Yeah, and they sure. hit 18 and and you're supposed to figure this out, Yeah, you're putting them in the same community mm -hmm. as people who do come from families who had the structure, who had the education, mm. and you're putting them into the same society, one group is gonna win and one group is gonna lose. Mm. Big time. Yeah. And this is where parenting is the most important thing to me on earth. Mm. It is more important than anything that you teach your kid as much as possible. Mm. You just, being a parent to me was so real. Mm. Like, I was like, I'm gonna make sure I'm there for my daughter every day. That the most, that the barometer of success, yeah. and I hate when I see this shit on social media. I hate when someone says, they do these little sound bites of like, you know, success. And you see people walking around their homes and their lineup cars, man. Just put your arm around your kid and see that kid smile. Man, Bam. That's it. I'll take that. When you see me and my daughter and my wife, yeah. I'll take that over whatever you got yeah. any day of the week. Yeah. I don't care how many Bentleys or whatever you have that yeah. you think is a barometer of success. Yeah. 
my wife and my daughter knowing that mm. I'm the best father and husband to them, mm -hmm. that's the top of the pyramid. 100%. You know what I'm saying? And not enough people are chasing that. Yeah. You know? And what age did you become a father? Um, 47, so 30, she's 2008. <laughs> yeah. So 2008, so that was 14 years ago. So 33? 33. 33, yeah. yeah. The crazy thing is, I always tell Lana this, I feel like New York City is where I became who I became now. I feel like I'm 22 years old. I feel like my birth date was actually when I arrived in New York. So you were born again in, in New York? I was York. born again in New York. Prior to going to New York, when I grew up in San Diego, Everybody I knew had moms, dads, parents, a car when they were 16, three meals a day, each other. I never felt that. When I moved to New York, that was the first time I felt like I was around my brothers and my sisters. Mm. People coming from Africa, people coming from Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, China, people running away from their abusive families, other people like me. Everybody, I felt like everybody was struggling. Mm. You know, mm. and in 2000, remember there was really no internet yet. Mm -hmm. So when you struggled pre-internet, you struggled for real. It's not like you could just you can struggle today and come from whatever background you want to. But if you have an internet connection, you can teach yourself mm. whatever you need to be taught. Yeah, you could not do that pre-internet. Yeah, you couldn't just like all right, I'm gonna learn a language, or I'm gonna go learn what Brooklyn looks like and how much rent <laughs> costs, it. and you know how to take the train. Yeah. Back then, uh, information and education was not accessible. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even if it was, if you were beaten and all that stuff, you wouldn't know how to like right. absorb that information. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, you're dealing with the trauma that's inside. Probably physical that. too. You yeah. know, like 100%. like being you know, kicked and punched in the head so many times when you're younger, yeah. that probably causes learning disabilities. Yeah. And I feel like I have a lot of learning disabilities. Yeah. I really rely on her to teach me a lot of stuff. You right. know? Like I feel like I have a lot of, like I can't read books. Yeah. When I read books, I don't, nothing happens. You don't absorb the information. I don't absorb nothing. What about audiobooks? Audiobooks I do. Yeah, audiobooks yeah. are dope, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Audio, I love audiobooks, you know? And um, yeah, it's crazy, man. I think this segues us into our next yeah. section. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you the honors, introduce your wife, and then introduce now what you're doing on all of these platforms. Yeah. yeah. So this is my wife, Lana. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very shy. She comes with the vibes. She said aloha. You already know what vibe she's on. And that's it. Yeah. So now, now this is why I do all the talking yes. on, our, on our videos. Yeah. People are like, I want to hear Alana more. I was like, yeah. no, you don't. No. Yeah. Tough time. She's like, she, she'll have a little word here and there. Yeah. Not everybody's meant to speak to the camera mm -hmm. on the mic. Right, you know? right. Yeah. But I feel like when you do speak, you drop bombs. Oh, yeah, so definitely. it's all good. <laughs> so... Um, <clears throat> Quickly, let's let's touch on like how did the fan bam start? What what was the initial idea? Like, were you even on social media before the fan bam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, big time, or was it just like no, not big time. Okay, no, not at all. So, so let me introduce Lina the appropriate way. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I I know because like bro, you just told like this like heart wrenching story, and I didn't want to come over here with this weak ass introduction. Yeah. I need you to just like yeah. really like put it in there. And, th and this is why I'm good at what I do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, 
I like promoting people I like. I yeah. like promoting products I like. Yeah. I like I like that. You know. Mm -hmm. So my wife, I'm gonna speak for her. She's sitting right here. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, she was born here and uh, in the Bay Area, Daly City, mm -hmm. and she's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, human being. Mm -hmm. You know, and she grew up in a in a not great situation. Now I don't want to get too public about it because it's yeah, sure. you know, no problem. But her father died um, at 49 years old of a heart attack. Mm. Um, Sorry to hear that. It, it was a lot of dysfunction, yeah. you know, in the sure. in the home, uh, screaming, yelling. Yeah. Uh, uh, she didn't feel loved. She didn't feel supported. She yeah. she got heavy into alcohol, drugs uh, as a teenager. Yeah. Um, you know, immigrant parents not from here. Yeah. They don't know how to. They don't. They don't know America. They don't know they don't, You're you like know, their yeah. parent. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. I, I, I feel that. And, 100%. Um, yeah. and uh, uh, there wasn't a lot of love. There was a lot of competition. She has one sibling. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, she went through a lot of stuff. Yeah. When uh, she graduated high school, she went to college in the University of Hawaii, got her ethnic studies degree. Wow. Um, uh, always loved humans, loved yeah. animals, yeah. you know, big animal lover. She worked at the uh, San Mateo Humane, Humane Society. Well, that explains why you years. want another dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she got me. <laughs> it took someone. It took someone who worked at the Humane Society. <laughs> Who got bit by a pit bull in the face yeah. to still love. It took someone like that to be with someone like yeah. me. 100 You know what I'm saying? Man, that's, that's what it takes. Man. You know? Yeah. And uh, uh, she went to University of Hawaii, mm -hmm. um, dealt with a lot of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. dealt with addiction, gambling, drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, still worked a whole time, though. Mm -hmm. Worked at a restaurant, Functional. worked at a hotel, mm -hmm. got her degree, mm -hmm. um, hit rock bottom. You know, her dad died, uh, came back here. Mm -hmm and uh, got into alcohol sales and... Um, Southern? Yeah. Nice. I was there for 16 and a half years. Killed it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, then yeah. left. Yeah. It was a, was a minority female yeah. Yeah. working in an all-white dominated yeah. uh, industry. Male, too. All-white, all male-dominated. All this is the year mm -hmm. 2000. First wow. territory they gave her was Chinatown. Oh, you, <laughs> told, you told me that. You told yeah. me that. Let's put the little Asian lady in Chinatown. <laughs> you told me that. And you killed it, right? Well, I was just like, I was uh, on the combo team uh -huh. and all white guys around yeah, me. And sure. they're like, I'm like, they're like, we're going to give you Chinatown. I'm like, I'm Filipino. I'm not Chinese. <laughs> they're like, uh, whatever. Yeah, You'll figure yeah. it out. So, yeah, yeah, okay. She yeah. was a hustling, hardworking woman, yeah. minority female. You know, we, we hear a lot about, you know, women, you know, the struggles of women and mm -hmm. everything, and she, and, she, and she struggled, you know? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you want to talk about not getting promotions mm -hmm. and not getting pay? She dealt with it. In yeah. the real, she's, she's going to hate me for saying this, oh, no. but she turns 51 next week. You know? <laughs> Don't look it. <laughs> Jesus. She turns 51 next week, so, you know, you know for she, she really did deal with this 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, she, if, if she was a white man, she would probably be making six yeah. figures in a much more concrete position, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but she was a minority female mm -hmm. and uh, and then hitting the streets, you know, mm -hmm. using pay phones and going door to door and cold calling, and, and anybody who's done sales knows very quick you learn very quick yeah. whether you can do it or not. Yeah. And she'd been doing sales for 20 years, yeah. over 20 years. You Alcohol know? sales. Yeah. That's and, awesome. Uh, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, man. She's just been a great, a great person to everybody yeah. and, and dealt with her own demons and yeah. her internal struggles and yeah. family struggles. And, and, yeah. and when you, you know, she brought me, you know, I entered her life. Mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't, Where'd it wasn't, you guys meet? We met on OkCupid. <laughs> What is that? It's a dating app. Okay, okay, okay. Met on a dating app. You saw, you saw her or you saw him? 
He said hi to me. He smiled at me. He paid the extra money. Okay, big dog. Yeah, paid the extra money. Okay. Yeah. So what, what was the what was the message like? What did you say? My message was just my picture. Yeah. I had a no shirt on and I had abs. Yeah. 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 This dude. Was that was the message. Rip, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, the message. I'm a male model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, you know she hit me up and yeah. and we just uh, we. We click. clicked, yeah. We yeah. clicked, yeah. We clicked from day Still one, you know. Dude. Yeah, we so clicked. You know? I click with people. When when I click with you, we mm -hmm. click. You yeah. know, like yeah. me and you. Yeah. Wait till you see what happens five years from now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I got faith in you. Thank you. I bro. love I love I meeting people. It. Just I, and she'll know this. I love talking about my people to her. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like my homie in New York and my homegirl and and in San Diego and my homie. I love watching. I love watching people elevate mm -hmm. over the years and be mm -hmm. like, yo. <laughs> Met that cat 10 years ago. We worked in a restaurant. Now they're doing this and that. Yeah. I love rooting for people. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, man. Do you, do you feel like an underdog? Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Every day. I am an underdog. Yeah. I don't feel like one. Yeah. I don't feel like one. I am one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, but Lina, you know, she has such a phenomenal story. Mm -hmm. Always helps people. She's mm -hmm. codependent. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, do you know anything about codependency? Yeah. My dad was an alcoholic. So, yeah. like... It's, uh, you know, it's, in regards to, like, codependency, I think you could take it from different facts. I'll let you explain mm -hmm. yours. Mm -hmm. But in regards to, like, how I grew up, like, there were a lot of things that affected me differently because of the situation with my mm -hmm. dad being mm -hmm. an alcoholic. Yeah. Right? Um, and being uh, a codependent, essentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. She's a codependent, mm -hmm. and she's actually done the 12 steps, mm -hmm. and wow. she's actually a sponsor now. Wow. So she actually sponsors... Two people. Um, two people. <laughs> yeah. You know? wow. And and, and uh, she she helps people get through their day, and it's and it's 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 really heartbreaking because a lot yeah. of these people come from just just as bad as my background, mm -hmm. maybe yeah. worse. They regret. Mm -hmm. And she's yeah. she's dealing and helping them out with their life. She yeah. doesn't get paid for this. Mm -hmm. yeah. She gets she gets she does not get paid for this. Mm -hmm. She does this on her own time. Yeah. You know, and she spends a lot of time doing it. Yeah. Almost every day, actually. Yeah. yeah. Doing meetings and doing calls and wow. Yeah. And she's just a, a crazy, unbelievably yeah. strong human being, you know. Where does that come from? Like, where, where does your heart for people come from? I think it's just being independent, you know, yeah. because I had to learn and uh, take care of my mom. Yeah. I was the one that spoke English. Yeah. And I had to read everything. I wrote yeah. the notes for myself yeah. when I was sick. Pay the bills, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, not pay the bills. At least she knew how to do that. Yeah. But everything else, like if something comes in the mail or something important, and it's yeah. like I remember taking out the dictionary at like eight years old and like wow. trying to transpose it all and yeah. then tell her what it's about. Yeah. Even till this day, my mom will call me, "What's this? Yeah. What's that?" You yeah. know. So, yeah. uh, just I at that point, I knew I was like, "Oh wow, I can only have to rely on myself." Yeah. I can't re rely on anybody. Yeah. And so um, I had to take ultimately take care of the family. Yeah. Because my dad was a merchant seaman and he wouldn't be home. So mm. I had my mom relied on me, mm. you know, to get things done. Right. So, yeah. Right. Man, yeah. that's, deep. that's deep. And when I met her, she was drowning. She was done. She was life was killing her. You yeah. know, everybody was taking their peace from her. Yeah. And that's how codependency works. Yeah. When you're when you're codependent, yeah. Everybody everybody takes a piece from you until you have yeah. nothing left for yourself. Yeah. You know. And uh, she was she was dying. You yeah. know, draining. She, well, she you don't dying. have boundaries. Yeah. 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 And you know, like <clears throat> for someone that is really good at helping people, mm -hmm. and it also does like it makes you feel good. Right, yes. and it makes you feel like accomplished, and like 
sometimes it feels like it's your duty, in a sense, especially when you're connected as family. Yep. Um, there's always a lot of things that, like boundaries, it was a huge thing for me. Because right. both my parents are immigrants, right. and my dad is a, a raging alcoholic, and right. my brother's story is so similar to yours. I'll tell you that often, right? But my mother, um, my parents separated, and my mom drove herself to religion, mm-hmm. right? So my, my mom's super religious, and my dad is like the total opposite, right? right? And there's no balance. So I just fell completely through the crack. <laughs> like there's no foundation. So it was like he's doing his thing, she's doing her thing, and I just fell. And it's like for me, you know, I've always just been able to just kind of like figure things out. And I feel like, you know, I've been blessed, mm-hmm. lucky, whatever you want to call right. it, in the sense. And I sometimes I feel obligated, you know. And it's like boundaries, especially with like right. your parents. Right. So I completely yeah, feel that. Yeah. I completely yeah. feel You're that. a caregiver. Yeah. Because you become yeah. a caregiver. Naturally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's really tough. So I, I feel for yeah. you. And it's like, you know, it, only good things will happen to you. No, absolutely. Because you're, you're doing all the good stuff. And right. like people like you, uh, people like Paul, right. you guys are what makes the world go round. And it's like just the weight of being a good person. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many fucked up people out there yeah. that just fucking like essentially just drag everything down. Right. You know, because if it was each one teach one and everybody just did a little bit, like we yeah. would be better, you know, yeah, yeah. and you touched on that. Yeah. yeah. You needed yeah. those people to just at least try, dog. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. so it doesn't I, take much. Yeah, no. it doesn't. That's the, the crazy thing is it doesn't even take much. Yeah. I look back at all my life and I'm like, man, it didn't take much, you know, <laughs> like to really help someone. The small thing. My wife is so amazing. You know, and it's like, it's crazy because a lot of people are like, oh, man, I love the way you love your wife mm-hmm. and I love the way you love you know, your daughter and, and you know, the, you know, like, mm. can you give some relationship advice? Mm. And it's just like, man, she saved my life. Mm. You know, I don't look at my wife as like, you know, um, oh yeah, we met here and this is how. I look mm-hmm. at her as like, she saved my life. Mm-hmm. She, she gave me, she was, you know, from my best friend Kat mm-hmm. to my homie Jason mm-hmm. on the East Coast who helped me out mm-hmm. to, to my homeboy John who also helped me out mm-hmm. to her. Like, these are life, these are like, Imagine someone saving your life. Yeah. You, won't, you, you just look at that person yeah. like, I, I love you. Yeah. Like, you know, you just saved my life. Yeah. You really, really helped me out. Like, Enriched. Help me out yeah. when everybody turned their back. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's like, and the hard part is, when I say like when everybody turned their back, the hardest part is, it's the people who turn their backs on you, their facade to the public, yeah. or that they don't do that. That's the worst shit. That's like the gaslighting. You know? And I've met so many of these people that, so many. And I'm like, man, you phony as shit. Yeah. And that's like fucking annoying as hell. You know? And it's just like, man, you are so phony. You know? It's like, you ain't trying to help people. You're trying to make yourself believe you're doing something good in the world. And there's a difference. Yeah. I don't think she wakes up a single day thinking she's doing something good in the world. Yeah. She's just doing it. Yeah. She's living it. You know? Yeah. Like, she doesn't talk about all the stuff yeah. that she does. Yeah. And I look at her and I'm just like, man, I married the most amazing fucking human person, you know, yeah. on earth. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know. And so when people see us on the fan band, they're yeah. like, man, you guys have such a great relationship. Yeah. I was like, you have no idea. You think we're happy because we're going out to eat? Yeah. <laughs> like, we've been through some shit. Off the mic, I'll tell you even more stuff. Yeah. We yeah. went through some stuff. We, but, went, we went through court after court yeah. after court you know me yeah. and my daughter were you know this going off subject you know when I, she first met me you know um uh 
I didn't have custody of my daughter. Wow. Uh, you know, I was in a situation where my daughter was no longer with me, mm. and it wasn't my choice. Yeah. And when you don't have a family, you don't have nothing. Yeah. You can't fight back. No resources. So I moved from Hawaii, and I moved to San Francisco in 2013. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. Who made you move to San Francisco? Because we're living in Hawaii, uh -huh. and uh, my daughter's mother uh, took her to Sacramento. Okay. And so I was like, I'm not going to raise my daughter from Hawaii. And so I came here to San Francisco in 2013. I didn't mm -hmm. know anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was staying in coma. I found a place online, no kitchen. Uh, I had no job lined up, just nothing. All I know was like, listen, I'm going to come here. Figure I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to be in my daughter's life. Mm -hmm. I, I found a job literally like the next day. Um, uh, by then, my resume was stacked, so I wasn't worried about that. Yeah. And uh, for yeah. five years, yeah. she'll tell you this, for five years, every other weekend, I worked two jobs every other weekend. I would go to Sacramento, and me and my daughter lived in hotel rooms for five years, yeah, just all over Sacramento, every other weekend. And for years, mm -hmm. I would only see her two, three nights mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because I would work Monday through Thursday, and then I'd go out there as soon as I got off work, mm -hmm. get to the hotel room Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then on Sunday night, I'd come back, mm -hmm. and I'd be, on the weeks that I wasn't with her, I'd work six days. Because I had to pay yeah. for child support, yeah. I had to pay for the hotel rooms. Wow. The hotel rooms were not cheap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, Adds up. Yeah. 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 And uh, she was with me the whole entire time, through the whole process, you know? <laughs> Man, In and out of court, deep, just watching me getting pummeled, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I was crying a lot, I would cry a lot, yeah. you know, like. Cause you really trying to be a good dad, you know? Yeah, like Absolutely. I wasn't, I was not gonna let up, yeah. you know? And like. Uh, you got that fight, dog. Oh yeah. You got that fight, yeah, You don't wanna fuck with me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's, he's a dog. You're a dog, bro. <laughs> like yeah. you don't wanna fuck with me because, yeah. and I'm not saying that in like a threatening way. Yeah. It's just. Like, like I'm not gonna beat your ass or anything, but. I'll go. Yeah, it's just like, a natural go. thing yeah, for like, you. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, have like yeah. resilience. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of this quote where they say, um, "Yeah, the the lower you go, the higher you propel." You know, because you're yeah. building up all this momentum. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like back to the fan bam in the sense of like, how did that start? So the fan bam started. Um, I remember when. Uh, TikTok first came out, and okay. I, I've, I've had a few businesses. Uh, you have one in two, Hawaii too. Right? Hawaii grocery delivery business. I saw that first one online. That. Crazy. Now they're all over the place. I was the first one. I remember telling my coworkers I had moved to New York, went there, mm -hmm. and, and you know our relationship. I was with the wrong person, so that shut. I moved yeah, here. Yeah. Me and her started a bidet business mm -hmm. in 2016. You know bidets? Yeah, for the toilet. Yeah, yes. Like wash your ass, make your asshole clean. Shit. Well, I actually started a business. Yeah. It was called Bay, Bay Area, Area Bidet, Bidet LLC. We actually trademarked our own bidet. Yeah. And um, we shut it down a few months before COVID happened. We sold the bidets like two, All our three, thing. a week before yeah. COVID. Yeah. And, and when that toilet paper shortage happened, the days were like blowing up. Holy and I was like, shit. oh, damn. And I remember all these people hitting me up like, man, you got the right ideas. Your timing is always off. Yeah. Like, but, but it's like, it's just calibration. Right. Because it's like, you're like a gifted person. Yeah. Right. Because like, you know what's fucked up is like, gifted people have fucked up life sometimes. Yes. <laughs> because... It, you, your talent and your natural ability has to shine through. And in order for it to do that, 
like you gotta go through some shit. Yeah. I don't know why it's that way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's like, bro, the most gifted motherfuckers, like genius level <laughs> people, go through the craziest shit that will literally kill a, a normal people. person. Right. Yep. Right. Um, so it's just calibration. Though. So I'm gonna tell you how You're TikTok happens. Okay. TikTok. I mean, uh, the fan bam happens. Okay. I remember. When Uber first came out here, I was one of the first people on Uber and Lyft. I had to go around telling everybody what Uber and Lyft was, and I was so good. So this is right when she met me, yeah. and I was like, "Yo, Uber and Lyft is like this is a you were thing. driving it." This, yep, this like yeah. I was one of the first in 2014. Yeah. I was like, "This is gonna, this is a game changer." And I'm, they're on the news, like you know, this is illegal. People are like, "No, no, no, don't do that." I remember. Kind of trying to get people to download the app, mm. and quit, I just knew. He I knew quit it. working House, House of Prime Rib at that time too. To mm. just be a driver. You know, mm. and, um, and and I did good. You know, and uh, um, when TikTok first came out, mm. I remember telling, I sat Lina and my daughter down, and I was like, "Listen, how old was your daughter at this time?" Oh, just two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Oh, okay, so <laughs> eleven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. TikTok. He was okay. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I remember sending them down. And I was like, "Listen, I'm taking this shit serious. Yeah, this is not playing around. This is not fun and games to me." Like, and I remember telling my daughter this. I'm like, "Remember this, Julie. Remember what's happening right now." I'm in, the, I'm in the kitchen and I'm calling something out because you can't remember all these other stories I'm telling you where I called stuff. But remember this, honey. This is where our life is going to change. And I said, I let Instagram slip and I let Facebook slip past me. I'm not making that same mistake this yeah. time. Remember, when I lived in New York, I always wanted to be an editor, a video yeah. publisher. And I would you always tell her, man, I would love to be a producer mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm like, this is my chance. Yeah. This is our chance right here. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we're going to figure out something on this. And so we're doing it, you know, we're, we're making these videos yeah. and then people are talking shit to me, yeah. coworkers are laughing. I'm working at this job. Yeah. I'm going to frame this message. <laughs> I talk about this all the time. Yeah. I, I sent a company-wide message mm. and uh, I was like, listen, we're going to, I was working at Gilman Brewing mm. and I had already been doing social media. Yeah. They were the first to hire me, but it wasn't very successful. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. It was posting pictures. Yeah. And I just remember, I was like, this is so weak how we're doing this. And I kept trying to tell the owner. You know, I'm still friends with the owner. This is how you step it up. Yeah. And I sent a company-wide message about a month or two after um, COVID, the lockdowns, and I was like, listen, the world is watching everything that's happening on your phone because we're all locked up, right? This is a great time for me to take TikTok and make these great videos about the brewery and tell people how beer is working, how we're struggling, tell the business, tell the story of everybody in here. Like, let me produce this badass show because no one's doing nothing but staying at home and drinking and eating and all that. And everybody's doing more screen time than the history of Earth. Sure. You know, and I'm like, let's give them something to watch. Mm -hmm. And I make this message, this long message. Sean hired me to do social media, and part of social media is projecting the future seeing new, new things coming up and hopping on it first. Nobody liked it. Nobody supported it. Still have a screenshot of it. And the only person who liked it was the owner. Everybody left me dry. Nobody responded it. Nobody was like, yo, I got your back. Let's do it. And I just remember being so heartbroken. Mm -hmm. Like, really? And, and I knew people were laughing at me. I, 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 I knew, you know, everybody was laughing at everybody for doing TikTok mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember making a Facebook post, mm -hmm. still have it. All the businesses were complaining, you know, we're going to go broke, we're going to do this. I made a post, you know, a month after walking like, anybody who needs my help, please, man, reach out to me. I'll help your business out. Nobody. Nobody. Silence. But I could see them posting, 
our business is struggling, how are we gonna survive, the government, blah, blah, blah. Nobody responded. No one sent me a message that's like, yo, we could use your help. Hmm. Oh, now I get that shit on the daily. Yeah. Well, now you probably the got eight messages. Now, yeah, you know, yeah. please come to my place. Please, can you do a video? And here I was trying to do it for free. Yeah. Like, please, man, let me help you all. I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. You guys are, you know, scared and nervous. Like, let me help you. Yeah. Nobody responded, yeah. you know? And I just took, I took that to heart. So, like, just when I was like, what the fuck, man? Y'all are crying for help. When I'm crying for help, yeah. I really want help. Yeah. I'll take it from anybody. Right. But you guys are all crying, and I'm offering it to you. Yeah. And I just felt like everybody looked at me so lowly. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. We don't want your help. Not you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and I was just like, man, I'm going to make this work. And, yeah. and this is how the fan band was created. Wow. Yep. And, 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 and it, trial and error, and it was very deflating because I would make these videos, and they weren't kicking. You know, but I, I love doing it. I just love making videos. And so we'd make cooking videos. We would make this videos. I'd watch other, how other people do it. Mm. And then one day she goes, Paul, you should do a voiceover. And I would tell him like, Lina, Jolie, you gotta be scrolling. You gotta help, we gotta do this as a family, mm. you know? And uh, she was like, why don't you do a voiceover? And our first video that went viral was Toast Deli, which fuck man, it's they closed, closed, you know? And uh, in Daly City and I did a voiceover and that was it. That was the video, that boom. That took us to the next level. Took to the next level. And it changed our life. Yeah. That one video, yeah. and it was the voiceover, and it was her telling, and everybody was like, oh man, I love your voice. Yeah. I love how you talk, you yeah. know? And, uh, and I was like, that's fucking great, because I love talking. Yeah. Nobody ever yes. listened to me when I was younger, <laughs> you know? So now I can't shut the fuck up. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, you want to chill with me for 10 minutes, yeah. that 10 minutes will be like 10 hours, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. if we're just kicking it, you yeah. know? Um, and uh, and, it, and it just took, man. Yeah. And, and and you know, and I remember I was like, we took all that money we made, we got, what was the thing when they were giving all the money out? Stimulus? The stimulus. Mm -hmm. We took the stimulus money. PPP. And um, we actually, I remember made a post. I was like, we're gonna take our stimulus money and we're gonna do exactly what we're supposed to do with it. I'm yeah. gonna go to all these restaurants yeah. and buy their shit and then we're gonna make a video and give them a free commercial. Yeah. You know, everybody was like, support small business, support small business. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I see your post. Yeah. I don't know how you actually are supporting small yeah. business, but besides putting a hashtag on there. Yeah. And this is my whole thing, you know, when people put the, the posts, mm -hmm. you know, support this or these people's lives matter or this and that. It's like, okay. Do they actually And yeah. Yeah. so where does this go? Yeah. So we actually was like, I'm gonna use my skill yeah. and go make free commercials for all these people. Yeah. And, and that's where we're at now. You know, I just kept getting good because I like showcasing people and products and hyping right. people up. Right. Like, you know, if I like you, and I talk to people and be like, dope motherfucker. Yeah. My wife, the best. My, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And so a lot of the times when we do these, um, it's just honest, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, just like, it's who you are, dude. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, so it's easy for me to uh, promote these businesses, and now we're not even promoting ourselves. Yeah. A lot of what people do on social media is promote themselves. Yeah. That's that's the goal. They're trying to promote themselves. Yeah. And it's cool. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. But for me, I don't I don't need to promote myself. I I I, I want to promote the people who have helped me. Yeah. The people who have supported me. Yeah. You know, and this is a you know I always tell Lina, you know, I have homies. I call them up and I'm like, do this, do this, do that. And, you know, my whole thing is I want to get to the top of the mountain and bring as many people with me. Right. I want as many people to come with me. Right. And 
TikTok first started, I reached out to so many people, still have all the messages. Yeah. Yo, you should do this, you should do this. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's meet up, let's do this. Negative, no, 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 no. You know, I was gonna say this, you know. You know the people <laughs> who supported you from the very beginning mm -hmm. versus the people who don't. Because once you succeed, all you gotta see is who's still following. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I thought we were homies. You know, yeah. like, you stopped following me, yeah. and then you start, and I was like, oh yeah, I did remember, you know, it's crazy as you, when, when people are laughing at you for doing something, mm -hmm. and talking shit, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I have to reiterate this, anybody who started TikTok two years ago, everybody was laughing at you for doing it. Yeah. Let's not. <laughs> it was like corny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you were a 45 year old yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dancing? like yeah. people were clowning me. Yeah. People were clowning me to my face. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you're talking shit about me. You yeah. know, I actually take this serious. Yeah. You know, imagine going up to someone and saying like, hey, man, I want to go be a baker. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, dog. And you're like, yeah. bro, if you just want to say fuck you, just say yeah. that. Don't laugh at me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we can move on. Friend or foe. Yeah. You know? For and trying, like, you know. It's like, you know. It breaks my heart because I know I was trying to help a lot of these people in the beginning. Yeah. I was like, hey, man, hop on this. We're all going to blow up together. Let's collab. Yeah. Let's do something. And, man, nobody. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. So, nobody wanted my help. So the fan bam is focused on restaurants being small businesses. Is, is that what you're primary focused on? Is that, like, 90% of what you're doing? Or is there other aspects of, like, your platform? Of no, there's, there's nothing to do with what I'm doing. That's the crazy part. Yeah. I'm trying to do, I'm going to try to, I don't care about food. Let me, let me say this one more time. I do not care about food. When <laughs> I go, dead when, serious. When you I go see in these places right and now, I'm like, dude. this pizza is delicious. It is, but I don't care. I grew up eating out of trash cans. Yeah. I didn't build those taste buds mm -hmm. and develop those things. Eating rice with soy sauce is good enough for me. Mm -hmm. I could go the whole next week eating food top is ramen. Food. Yeah, food is food to me, you know. Um, Scavenger, hunter, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to use whatever I can leverage from the success of doing this mm -hmm. so later I can just help at-risk youth, mm -hmm. I can help immigrants, mm -hmm. I can help people and go like, listen, I'm gonna do something for you I wish somebody would've done for me when I was 18. Give you some guidance. Full circle. You know, I'm gonna speed you up that, hey, I can get you to have the kind of skills within one year it will take 10 to 20 a lifetime if you don't have guidance. Yeah. And you might not ever get. Yeah. Like I'm gonna put some confidence and some wisdom and I'm gonna take all my struggles, I'm gonna help you because I know you need that help yeah. and nobody's trying. Wow. You know, that's what I'm actually trying to leverage from this. That's the heart, dude. I'm not trying to come out with my own clothing company. <laughs> I'm not trying to come up with my own. It's not for personal nothing. gain. It's yeah. not for personal gain, it's to be in a position to be a philanthropist. Yeah. If there's something I want to die being known for, it's number one, being the most amazing father and husband on this fucking universe, mm -hmm. and then being a philanthropist second. Mm -hmm. And I really don't care about anything else. Mm -hmm. I will rock my Toyota Prius for as long as I can, mm -hmm. my sandals, I spend no money on clothing, mm -hmm. nothing, you know? Like, I, we don't ball out, like, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? We try to do, stay with people, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what I'm trying to leverage, you know? Yeah. I'm not trying to be the next Anthony Bourdain or, or any of these people. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, to, to use my 32 years working in restaurants and do the best I can 
yeah. in media yeah. so I can actually do that. Yeah. You know? What was that? I want to go back to the feeling that you got when you told your daughter you called it out. What, what, type, what happens to your body or mind when you get that feeling when you're going to call something out? What happens? Is it it's, like a, it's dope because I've done it on so many different is it like occasions. A chemical reaction, yeah. like something in your brain just clicks, or you get hot. Like how do yeah, you? Yeah, like I, you know, like I, I was, my best friend. Yeah. Would talk so much shit to me in 2003 for having an apple. Like you're a loser, because yeah, Apple stock was like a dollar. Yeah. They were going bankrupt. Yeah. And everybody had IBM's yeah. and Blackberries. Mm -hmm. So if you had an Apple, people would literally laugh at you. Yeah. In New York, they would laugh at you. Yeah. You know, like that's incomprehensible to a lot of people yeah, now. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, trust me. In the early 2000s, if you weren't from San Francisco, yeah. everybody laughed at you for having an apple. Yeah. And my my other friend called me a West Coast hippie, you know, for having an <laughs> apple. He's like, you're a West Coast hippie. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's what it was known for. But yeah. it feels good, man, because yeah. it's not about being right. Yeah. It's about being consistent. Yeah. Being right about Uber, yeah. being right about TikTok, being right about Apple, being right about moving to New York, being right about making the decision to leave Hawaii when I had everything there, full benefits, a great job, living in a high-rise condo, yeah. to living a really bad life here. Yeah. But knowing now, looking back, that was the right move, yeah. it feels good. Knowing that I married the right person, yeah. knowing that I let go of people yeah. that I, that I should have and met people um, um, on, on the fly, like the way I met you, yeah. you know, it feels, it feels good because yeah. you believe in yourself. Yeah. Is it, it's a gut. You do. You, yeah. you, you get to a point now yeah. where I'm like, you know, I, where I always felt nothing about myself. I always felt low of myself yeah. to now. It's just like, man, you believe in yourself and that's the best feeling on earth. Yeah. There's nothing like hmm. genuinely feeling uh, confidence in yourself, not too much, not just because you've earned it. Yeah, you're because in alignment. You, yeah, because yeah. you've gone through so many trials and tribulations. Yeah. You've survived so much. Yeah. You've been right on so many things. Yeah. And when you're wrong, you can own up to it. Yeah. And I do with her all the time. Yeah. And I will roll back and be like, man, I am really sorry. Yeah. You know, I did, I, it took me now to realize what I was doing three years ago was yeah. wrong. Yeah. The number of relationships that have died with me yeah when I have reached out and said, hey, let's go do mediation, let's go do counseling. Yeah. And then, nope. Yeah, you told me about that. You know, and I was like, yeah. man, you know, uh, we have people very close to us, very close to us, to yeah. her, you know, and I had reached out to, to do mediation and counseling, and, and I just, I'll never forget it, man. And then they just read the rebuttal was like, yeah. we got, you know, we feel like in order to do mediation, we have to have something to lose, and we don't feel like we have anything to lose. And I knew that right then, the value of our relationship was negative. Yeah. And I was like, you don't value the relationship yeah. because in your life, you've been given so many things. Yeah. When you've had to survive the way I've had to survive, yeah. it's only predicated on relationships. Yeah. Fight or flight. Yeah. yeah, relationships are what makes and breaks people who have nothing. If you're coming from zero, mm. everything in your life is relationships. relationships. It's, it's, it's not education, it's nothing. Yeah. It's having somebody who will help you out when nobody else will understand why you are the way you are. Yeah. And they have that. And, and it took That's someone so real, who worked dude. at the Humane Society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your first impression of Brother Paul here? Oh, I was like, <laughs> uh, he kind of talks a lot and I don't go for Asian guys. <laughs> Damn. And then you convinced her, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, you, can't, you can't say you can't go for Asian oh, guys. Oh, sorry, no that's more. very. Oh yeah, that's not that's not PC. <laughs> oh. Sorry. I married a racist. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you're racist. <laughs> and what was your first impression of her? Uh, Do you remember? Yeah, I thought she was cool. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't love at first sight. Yeah, you know, it yeah. definitely wasn't love at Just first sight. Just built it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, she's cool. Yeah, you know, you said she's I had funny cool. eyes. Yeah, I thought she looked funny. You know? Yeah, you're very blunt, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. you just say what the fuck you want to say, and it's like it comes, but it's genuine though. So it it's is. not like, you know, I don't think that people will get offended once they get to know you. Because oh no, like, they definitely do. Really? Everybody yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Everybody does. But it's like, but it's. It, but if they know you, they know that you're just straight up. Like, yeah. It's yeah. just like, well, yeah. this is me, dog. Like, but, you know. And it's not, like you're not, it's not like you're not approachable or you can't talk about it. It's just his first impressions, he just comes out, rah, you yeah. know, like a, like a pit bull. And yeah. so people get intimidated, and he just looks rough, right? Yeah. But if they just keep scratching the surface, they know that there's really a good guy there. Good guy, dude. Yeah. There was Ultimate. a great part in the good interview you did. What, what, what's the guy that you interviewed from um, San Jose? He went to the New oh, York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved when he was talking about it. Yeah. And he, you guys mentioned that. And he, goes, you know, he was saying, like, people are very direct out there. Yeah. And it saves a lot of time. Yeah. When you're very direct people, yeah. it saves a lot of time. Yeah. And I always tell her, listen, when I meet people, I don't want to be friends with you for five years yeah. to wake up five years from now and go, why was I always hanging out with this person? Yeah. I'd rather get that over in five minutes. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Save <laughs> me the headache. Yeah, 100%. Like, listen, you yeah. know, like, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, being, being direct is, like, something you have to if, In my world, you have to be. Yeah, 100%. You just have to be. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't waste my time with people and trying to help me progress in my future right you know so you know and this is a big problem with us you know um with with what we go through you know it's like i'm just like i don't want to go to this person's birthday yeah because and i don't want to go have breakfast with them because if you sit down with me oh yeah the conversation will always be this i'm gonna sit down What's up? What's the plan? What are we doing? What are you yeah. doing with your life, yeah. man? You know what I'm saying? I'm the same way, What are you dog. doing with your life, man? Same way. I'm here to root you on. Yeah. Please root me on. Yeah. And I don't care about your neighbor. Yeah. And I don't care about your ex. Bullshit. And I don't care <laughs> about the nonsense. Tell me some new shit you learn about podcasting. Yeah. I'll tell you some new shit I learned about LinkedIn, you yeah. know, or, or yeah. the metaverse, you know, or crypto. Like, yeah. let's just keep moving forward. 100%. Because if, if you surround yourself with people like that. Yeah. You're gonna move forward. Iron sharpens iron, dog. You know what I'm saying? You're just gonna move forward. And if you're just meeting with people who are like, why are you always talking about work? Because I'm always working. Yeah. <laughs> like, not for a job, but my mind is always working. Yeah. Like, man. Progression, like, bro. Right? You know, just like, like moving forward in life, dog. Like, you appreciate your moment and it's not just filled with like bullshit that doesn't matter. And it's like, I have this problem with a lot of people, so I feel you, dog. It's like, <laughs> it's. It's very normal for me, but like my girl tells me all the time, like everybody doesn't like, like they're not like thinking like that. And I'm like, how? <laughs> I'm like, how is this possible? Like you just literally sit here and don't want to do anything. Like let's just figure out some shit, you know? Right. Because it's like the world is out there and it's like here for us. Like you literally can invent something today that changes the history of your family forever. Bro, uh, I watch so many people on social media and in this, like, I have to be careful with what I say right now. Yeah, I know. Because you're becoming, you're becoming a brand, this, too. This, this, yeah. this, this, yeah. It hurts me to see so many people on social media mm. trying to come up on food. Mm. Just trying to build 
a, a, a social media existence mm. or a thing off, off just food. Mm. And I'm like, if one-tenth of you was trying to help the community, mm. you know how much better the community would be in 10 years from now? Yeah. If we could take that energy, yeah. that all these people are out there who have never worked in the restaurant industry. Yeah. And, and, and maybe just a few of you spending just as much energy trying to go help out the homeless people, or not help out homeless people, help out people before they become homeless. Mm -hmm. Stop the hemorrhaging. Mm -hmm. Man, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But everybody's trying to be famous, and everybody's trying to be big on social media. Mm -hmm. It used to be Hollywood now, now it's on social media. Mm -hmm. And I don't knock it, you know, like I'm not, but, it, but when you're me, mm -hmm. and you were, nobody was helping you, mm -hmm. everybody was trying to get ahead, mm -hmm. I feel it directly. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the times, you know, we could have, a, I, I believe right now we could have a million followers mm. on um, our Instagram account mm -hmm. or our TikTok account. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like we could, mm. but I don't set up my page like the people who do have a million followers do. Mm. What do you mean by that? Like if you go on, a lot of, it's just, they just focus on one thing. Like okay. if you go on other food vloggers, it's just food. You yeah. go, the whole page is just food. Yeah. And they'll have a separate personal account. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't want you to follow me just for food. Yeah. You can if you want to, and I know a lot of ours do, yeah. but I do, I'll creak in, you know, every once in a while, I'll do posts where I'll talk about it, like, yo, you know, I was homeless, yeah. you know? Like, you know, and I'll talk a little bit about my life, you yeah. know? I should do it a lot more. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I don't actually do it. And I remember people, you know, like, you should talk about your life a lot more, but not yet, I'm not ready yeah. yet. But I want the people who, to follow me because I'm a good person and we're yeah. trying to help. You know, yeah. me and my wife are actually trying to make a difference. Like you know, real shit. And, and, and we're not just trying to help the small businesses. Mm -hmm. The restaurant industry saved my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really, I, I really want to make this a big part of my social media mm -hmm. moving forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go to people in Oakland, people in these low-income neighborhoods, mm -hmm. and just like, man, if you don't want to graduate and go to college, don't. Mm -hmm. But at least when you're 15 years old, start thinking of what industry you want to be in. Mm -hmm. And I get it. No one gets it more than me. Mm -hmm. To be 18 years old and making $4 an hour and watching everybody party around you mm -hmm. and say, fuck this. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets it. I did that forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's awful when you're 25 years old and your homies are traveling and they're going to parties and driving cars mm -hmm. and you're still minimum wage grinding it out. You know? You're on the outside looking right. in. Right. Yeah. But if you're not gonna go to college, really, my, you know, our, our daughter's going to high school now, so I'm yeah. really gonna start doing a lot of this. Yeah. Please think about the restaurant industry. Yeah. This is the one industry where you can come in as a peasant. You can come in as nothing, no English, no skills, yeah. no nothing, and For you're sure. in the same arena yeah. as people who have college degrees, Connecting who went them. to private schools. Yeah. You're in the same arena yeah. But this is where hard work yeah. and persistence, yeah. you can pass all these people. 100%. You can come in That's so real. as an immigrant, as nothing, as a yeah. convict, and in 10 years, yeah. you are successfully, financially, everything yeah. now surpassing people who have educations and college and had that support system, yeah. the tortoise and the hare, that yeah. story. Yeah. And they're just parting their way through the restaurant industry, mm -hmm. just go in there, keep the blinders, mm -hmm. stay away from them, mm -hmm. work hard, Manage your investments, manage your addictions, mm -hmm. manage your finances and your addictions. Mm -hmm. And you will make more money from 18 to 21. You can have your college tuition mm -hmm. paid in cash, 
a new car. Mm -hmm. So one industry, you can hop right into 18 and start making 50 to 80,000 a year. Yeah. That I, like no one can argue with this. Yeah. I can that's show you the restaurants. Yeah. And that's something I really want to push yeah. on our social media. Yeah. It's like, please, if you're graduating high school and you don't want to go to college, yeah. let me introduce you to the, my industry, yeah. the restaurant industry. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't feel ashamed of being a waiter. Don't feel less than. Don't feel like this. Yeah. Here's an opportunity to leave the hood, yeah. to leave poverty, yeah. to leave everything. Yeah. And I wish somebody would have fucking told me that. Yeah. I wish somebody would have told me, Paul, like, go be a waiter when you're 18. Yeah. You're going to make this much money. Yeah. You know, there's this thing called the internet. Yeah. Invest in these companies. Go yeah. into tech. Buy Apple. You know, like, yeah, right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like, like um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people are graduating high school right now, especially in the Bay Area, New York City. They're feeling hopeless. Mm -hmm. They can't afford to live. Mm -hmm. If you're 18 years old and you're graduating high school right now mm -hmm. and you don't want to go to college mm -hmm. and your parents don't own their home, mm -hmm or you don't want to live with them, mm -hmm. how are you going to survive out here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is ridiculously hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you join the restaurant industry, you got a fighting chance. You got a chance. You can travel, you can go to different cities, yeah. you can learn some skills, yeah. you can start as a busser. You know, I just got a promotion at my job. Really? Yeah. What are you doing now? And, um, the reason why I'm segueing this, I'm going to tell you, because it's very important. Yeah. They offered me uh, as a uh, paid internship. Uh, I'm doing the social media yeah. and the content creation for 10 restaurants in our restaurant group. Yeah. Uh, two Michelin star restaurants. It's a steakhouse, a Japanese steakhouse, a Holy Japanese butcher shit. shop, all high-end stuff, yeah. a Michelin star uh, 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 sure. sushi restaurant, uh -huh. two other sushi restaurants, four dumpling restaurants, and a diner. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Is, is Niku a part of your yes. group? Uh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I am about. taking over the social media. Wow. I'm taking over all the accounts. I'm going to be the content creator. I just started both pages at zero today. Yeah. And uh, I'm about to and watch him work. I'm about <laughs> to do this badass. Yeah. And the reason why I was so excited to take this job. Yeah. And, and I had to interview his girlfriend. It was funny when I was at that game. I was like, okay, I got to interview everybody. Hmm. And they looked at me like, huh? Like, oh yeah, I take this shit serious. Yeah, it's real serious. I gotta know who I'm doing this for. Yeah. You think you just pay me to come in here and do this shit? Yeah. No. Not a puppet, dog. I gotta I really like gotta the people shit. I do this yeah. for. Yeah. You and so the it. owner of Omakase Restaurant Group uh -huh. came here as a Chinese immigrant when he was wow. 17. No college education. Didn't speak English. Wow. He's got a phenomenal story. Jesus. And he owns all these restaurants. Yeah. Multi-million. Came here in, I wanna say 98. And, and, and was 17 years old, Chinese immigrant, and he owns two Michelin star restaurants and all these Indies, and I'm like, this is the man I want to work for. Yeah, 100%. This is who I want to yeah, work for. Yeah. And you, they gave me the promotion. You understand that cloth. Yeah, yeah, and they gave me that promotion, and I'm going to start um, creating the content, setting wow. up the pages. Congrats and, on that, uh, man. Yeah, mm -hmm. this big, big, man, because yeah, if big. I can, you know, I'm not going to say if, when I make this happen, mm -hmm. I can go to any restaurant group in the whole country. Yeah. I can I'm, go to New I'm York your and guy. say, like, look at what I did for this restaurant group yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. Look at, I can go to any city. Yeah. And, and, and this, and I was telling her this last night we were walking around. Yeah. I said, the only time I ever felt this shift in my life was when I became a waiter for the first time. And I went from $150 mm -hmm. to $1,000 a week. Mm -hmm. I feel it now. Yeah. It's, the only, it's only the second time in my life where yeah. I'm like, this Why is it. I know when people ask you, when people interview famous people, uh -huh. and they go, so when was that moment? Did you yeah. know that it changed? Yeah. For me, it was when they gave me this opportunity. Yeah. And I had sent them an email. They had did these interviews, uh -huh. right? 
they had did these interviews and they had interviewed me and I told the, the vice president my whole life, you know, just yeah. like I'm telling you. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't fuck around, man. I'm here to, I'm here to do yeah. it. You, you know? know who I am. And it took like a week before they responded and like the night before they actually responded, it was funny, I sent them an email. Oh no, no, so they sent me an email and they were like, hey, we're still finishing up interviews. And I was like, I responded immediately. She always says, don't respond immediately. Not me. Fire right back. <laughs> right back. Yeah. You know? well, and I was like, hey, say? I was like, hey, if you don't if you don't hire me, that's cool. Can you let me know why? So I can put that and frame that right above my desk so I can wake up every <laughs> single day. At the top. So I can see every so I can wake up every single day, you know, uh, uh, um, reminding myself yeah, you're you know, on a mission, dog. like how you guys messed up yeah. on me. Yeah. You know, like 100%. I want you guys to wake up one day like how did we not hire yeah. this guy? Yeah. You know, like like so when they gave me this opportunity, I was like, Yes, I'm gonna do something special. You dropping some gems right now. So can we get into some of the technical aspects of how you approach social media? Can we talk about that, or is that like your secret sauce? No, the, the, the secret is, is it's so basic. You know, it's funny. They gave me, they gave me yeah, I'm sitting in there. They gave me this um, uh, rose gold uh, 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 MacBook yesterday, yeah. you know, um, to use. Yeah. And uh, I have my pen and my paper out here, and I'm like, cool. Uh, so I took my pad out, and I used the computer as a stabilizer to write on <laughs> They're like, uh, I do everything They're from like, my phone. They're like, open the Mac. Yeah, I do everything <laughs> on my phone, you know? I do everything on my phone, yeah, yeah. you know? So I don't use the desktop. I don't yeah. use any editing yeah. um, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, I don't believe in overproduction, you know? When I see something overproduced, um, and, I, and it feels like a commercial, and yeah. it feels you know, like the way people talk yeah. and everything, yeah. it's like, it just feels produced. Yeah. And, and, it, and it doesn't need to, you yeah. know, like these phones are a thousand dollars. You know, like, you know, like, man, I, I just use the editing apps on there. I use the yeah. camera on there. I know at some point I'm going to have to. Yeah. At some point I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to use yeah. desktop, get better equipment. Yeah. But the, the, there's no secret for me. I've been in this industry for 32 years. Mm. I know how to talk to cooks and chefs and people who work in this industry. Mm -hmm. I know how to respect them. You know, I know how to navigate through a kitchen because I've worked in restaurants my whole life. Mm -hmm. I know how to film and all that. And um, you know, when I'm when I'm talking, you know, it's just it's just me talking, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just like what we're doing now. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, you know, we're at this place. These people opened it up, or you know, sometimes we'll do like chain restaurants or bigger restaurants. You know, yeah. um, it's very natural for you. It's just very natural, man. Yeah. I've been in this setting for so long. You know, yeah. it's like um, there, there's really no secret. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually doing this because I like, I like my industry. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the one thing that I think I differentiate from a lot of people who do food vlogging yeah. is they don't give two shits about the industry. Yeah. They really don't. I'm not gonna say a lot of people, I'm gonna say 99%. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and call that out. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm gonna say 99% of the people I think that do food vlogging, mm -hmm. a lot of people I know, mm -hmm. don't actually know that much about the industry. Right. They don't know what it's mm -hmm. like to work double shifts. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it's like to work every single holiday. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it's like to work on Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they don't know what it's like to go through depression, mm. anxiety, addiction, uh, having an awful day, hopelessness, and having to look at people and sing happy birthday 15 times a night with a big ass smile on your face. Uh -huh. Like, hey, welcome, oh, You're that's just awesome. It all happy in. birthday to you. Mm -hmm. And the second you clock out, 
your shit is dead inside yeah. and having to do that. They don't understand what it's like not seeing your family, yeah. not seeing your kid yeah. five nights a week. Yeah. They don't know what it's like and they don't know how hard this industry is. Yeah. The personalities, you know, when I told you you're, you're dealing with immigrants, yeah. criminals, lots of addicts. Yeah. You're dealing with a lot of college educated people who yeah. all they did was drugs and party yeah. during college and they did not follow through with what they went to college with yeah. and they continued that party yeah. in the restaurant industry. Yeah. All they did was went from partying at dorms to partying in restaurants. Yeah. You have to deal with those people yeah. and, and, and you, you deal with a lot of deadbeat dads, yeah. um, parents who are running and trying to avoid paying child support. Mm. And, 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 Cash. And, yeah, and you're dealing with a lot of that. And uh, a lot of people don't know that side of the industry. Yeah. They don't. They don't know how hard this job is. Yeah. Especially when you're doing it year after year, dealing with customers just ripping you apart, yeah. you know? People, I will never go on Yelp and, and, and just like tear into like waiters and waitresses yeah. and everything, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I read it and sometimes it's so heartbreaking, yeah. you know? It's just like restaurants are hard. You get, you get, you get, I deal with it all the time. Yeah. Every night I tell her, man, that's a hard night. Yeah. People arguing in front of me. I saw someone break up, people being drunk. I had to stand in someone's face couple nights ago for 20 minutes because yeah. I thought he was going to try to, you know, do something to my Beat boss. To yeah. Shit, yeah. Acting drunk, trying to steal. But we deal with this, yeah. you know, and, 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 and for me, I have so much respect for the industry, yeah. for what it's done for all these immigrants, yeah. you know, people who come into this country, the restaurant industry, a lot of these kids who are going to college now mm -hmm. and living that good life can thank the industry for hiring their parents mm -hmm. when nobody else would. You know what I'm saying? And they don't. They absolutely don't. Because they have no idea. They have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so for me, I try to really, uh, uh, when you see how I do the social media yeah. for this new company, that, for the company that I work for, yeah. so much of it is going to be predicated on these kind of stories. Yeah. You know, yeah. the immigrant coming in, yeah. learning how to you know, do all this stuff, talking about the staff, the industry. Yeah. Um, it's going to be dope. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Give me one story, your craziest, because I know I've worked in industry as well. Give me your craziest industry story, like where you were like, I can't believe like this just happened in front of me. Yeah, 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 Miami Beach. I was working at a club called Empire Nightclub, uh -huh. right? So Miami, in the restaurant industry, there's two kinds of people who own restaurants. Uh -huh. People who know what they're doing and people who want to know what they're doing, <laughs> right? That's it. Facts. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, and, and a lot of the people who own restaurants yeah. do it because they've worked in restaurants their whole life. Yeah. Fewer of them nowadays because everything's so expensive. Yeah. And the vast majority of people who own these restaurants are people who are wealthy. Mm. People who have income from another source, whether they won the lotto or they're an athlete or they're famous or they're a musician mm. or they're a doctor or they're a lawyer. Mm. There's something about rich people wanting their own restaurants and bars. Mm -hmm. There just is. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. cool thing to do. It's a, um, I don't know what you call that thing, you know, uh, where people get, you know, like, I own a bar. Yeah. I own a restaurant, you know? Yeah. And um, status. It's yeah. a status when you own your own yeah. restaurant, it's a flex. right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So everybody wants their own alcohol and all that. Everybody wants their own restaurant. And you learn very quickly a lot of people who have never worked in a restaurant in their life who want a restaurant, they don't know who to hire. Yeah. And when you don't know who to hire, Woo, you are going to get robbed. Yeah. You're going to get robbed because the people who do know what they're doing know you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. 
They know you yeah. don't know how to keep track of the books. Yeah. They know they can buy $1,000 worth of steaks and really only purchase 500 yeah. and say they threw it away because, oh, there's so many ways. Yeah. Rich people get robbed all the time. All the time. It's just it's amazing how many people I've worked. I've worked in over 50 restaurants. Yeah. Let me all say that. I've worked in over 50. Shit. So I was in Miami, and there was this, uh, uh, this couple, shorter dude, not attractive looking at all, yeah. um, <clears throat> very attractive wife yeah. from New York City. They wanted to own a nightclub in Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, they hired this, uh, this, this lady. She knew what she was doing. She mm. was from the industry. Mm. Oh, she was robbing them. Robbing the blind. There was so much crazy stuff going in this club. I would see, you know, cocaine being rolled up, sniffed up. I would see, like, I would see a lot of rappers in there. Mm. You know, I saw Little John. I saw Cash Money would roll in there. Mm. Uh, this actually, my, my daughter's mom working in this club. <laughs> you know, and, um, uh, we, you know, naked girls dancing on the, on the, on the yeah. like, like rap video yeah. shit. You yeah. know, like straight rap video yeah. shit, yeah. you know? And then and I worked in one of these clubs and just watching the cops come in. I remember one night the cops came in there, um, uh, took all the money, yeah. robbed the place. Cops came in. The cops in. came in and robbed the place. Took all the money out of the <laughs> drawers. You know, um, this is 2000 and, uh, 2006. Okay. 2005, 2006 Miami. Yeah. And um, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy shit. You know, I was like, mm. wow. And just seeing this, this couple who owned this bar just getting took like that. And they didn't, they didn't realize it at all? These yeah. people have no idea. Yeah, they got know? so much money, it didn't even matter. No, no, because, you know, the, the person they hired was one person to their face. Yeah. And when they weren't there, there were a whole different people. Yeah. Doing and coke, all types of shit, huh? Everything. <laughs> Stealing the money, yeah. everything. Throwing wild parties. Yeah. And, like, now, like, even to, to this day now, yeah. when, I, when I meet people, you'll know when the owners who know what they're doing. Yeah. If an owner opens up a restaurant and they don't know what they're doing, they are going to get robbed. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. Their, their chef is going to rob them. Their managers are going to rob them. The bartenders are going to rob them. Everybody is going to rob them. Yeah. You, and, and, and that's really the craziest experience. And yeah. Seeing people get robbed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Seeing, seeing, seeing people who have all this money yeah. and, and opening up restaurants. And I saw that a lot, you know? Yeah. I was like, damn, that was crazy. If there's one thing that you can share, like a lesson from your life for anybody that's like struggling in a position right now where they feel alone, they feel like they just can't fucking make it. Is there one thing that you want to share or a couple? Oh, no, it's one thing. One thing. What would you, what would you share with that person if they're listening right now? Friend or foe. Make that decision when you meet people. Hmm. Nothing in the middle. Either going to help me or you're a waste of time. Mm. Plain and simple. Be able to build that up so you can figure out who can help you. Because in my life, the only reason I'm here is because of my wife, my best friend Kat, my homie John, mm. my sister, mm. and my buddy Jason in New York. Mm. And I would say my friend Pam in San mm. Diego. Mm. Six people. Mm. Relationships. That's it. Those, those are the people that kept me afloat. Having, you have to have faith in people. Yeah. You got to have faith in people. Yeah. No matter how much you get fucked over, yeah. no matter how much people do whatever they do, tear you up, beat you down, you have to have faith in people. Yeah. You can never not have faith in people yeah. because 
there are good people out here. Ooh. There's so many good people mm -hmm. out there. I'm a collector of good people. You've heard me say this mm -hmm. a million times. Mm -hmm. Most people are out here collecting sneakers and, and uh, <laughs> whatever, man. You know? Yeah, he, said, you know? he said most people just collect the sneakers. I'm collecting people. Real shit. You know what I'm saying? That's dope, I'm, dude. I, I want you in my life. Thank you, I want man. I her in my life. Yeah. I want people I'm like, if I, if I bet $20 on this person, yeah. you know? Yeah. I know this twenty dollars is going to be a million bucks. 100%. Most people are investing in Apple. Yeah. Or, or you know, what NFT should I invest in? Oh, we didn't and, even get to the NFT. Investing in dude. relationships. Yeah. You know, I would if you came out with the NFT, I would buy your NFT. Man, I appreciate That's that. how NFTs work. Yeah. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. If you came out today and said, "Hey, I'm going to create some NFTs, yeah. and I'm going to use this money to get the skills and buy better equipment," but I would buy your NFT. I appreciate that. That man. is how NFTs work. Right. People are like, oh, I drew this thing. Mm. You should buy it. I don't give two shits about your drawing. Mm. Who are you? You're missing the whole point of NFTs. Mm. I'm not investing in the painting. Mm. I'm investing in the artist. In person. I'm not investing in the podcast. Yeah. I'm investing on the podcaster. Yeah. And this is, the, this is, like, this is what gives me so much hope. Yeah. I'm taking... I'm gonna teach my daughter how to do this, taking all our videos and minting them into NFTs. Yeah. Because a lot of people meet us and they're like, yo, you guys are gonna blow up. We love you guys. Like, we love you. Yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. When my daughter graduates yeah. in four years, yeah. this show, what we're doing, we're gonna be in the Bronx. Yeah. We're gonna be in Brooklyn. And on the road. We're gonna be, people are gonna look at us and like, yo. They sick. <laughs> they don't, they're not just Asian people who are striving in the Asian community. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait till you see us hit the East Coast. Wait till you see how I do New York City. Mm. You know, I spent 12 years there walking the streets, mm. you know, working at all these jobs. I still have connections. They know there. you in those parts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's going to be dope. I yeah. love when my East Coast people hit me up and they're like, yo, Paul, yeah. you killing it? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what's up. Because they, they know who you yep. really are. I got Russian cool. homies, Italian mm -hmm. homies. Puerto Rican homies, Dominican mm -hmm. homies. I got black homies. I mm -hmm. can't wait to go back out there yeah. and be like, 100%. yeah, buddy. 100%. Like, I can't wait to do New York big. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's like, I love NFTs because mm -hmm. you invest in each other. Mm. And that's how I've always been that way. Mm -hmm. I invest in people. Yeah. I invest my time. Mm. That's the crazy thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. I always tell Lina, yeah. baby, I don't want to go to this party. I don't really want to go to this brunch because I will literally listen to nonsense the mm. whole entire time. Mm. And it's just nonsense to me. Yeah. Some yeah. people just need friends to gather around a table and talk, and I just don't. Yeah. I need people who are trying to do what you're trying to do. Appreciate that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Make a fucking difference. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Yeah. Do a podcast. Yeah. Go do a social media thing. Yeah. Go help people, you know. Who, who are getting out of high school and don't know what they're learning. And yeah. You're like, hey, why don't you go work in restaurants, man? Yeah. yeah. You know, you'll make 50000 60000 You might own your own restaurant. Yeah. Let me give you some advice on something you might want to do. Yeah. Go start a food truck. I love meeting these food truck owners and they're telling us about their, their, stories. their stories. I'm yeah. like, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah. That's so dope, man. I'm yeah. rooting for you now. Yeah. Like, you're my peoples, you know? Yeah. Like, self taught, going through all this shit. Yeah. And, you didn't want to go to college, yeah. so you're doing this. And yeah. I'm like, yo, we need, we need to talk about these stories way more. 100%. You know, 100%. like way more. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, man, the NFT thing is, is just dope. You know, we got into crypto. You want to hear a crazy story? Yeah. She'll remember this. What? I told her, 
uh, I want to say it was like 2000, what, we're in 22 now. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 2018. Yeah. And I was telling her, I was like, baby, please, please, please. Because you know how, like I said, I was, I've been right on so many things. Yeah. Baby, please, 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 for like three days, for a weekend, please cash out your 401k, take the penalty, and buy yeah. this thing called Bitcoin. Please, Ooh. baby. What was it please. at, five grand there? I want to say it was like at 1300 I think it was something oh, like that. Well, that's I don't know what year it was, but I remember yeah, looking it at it, and I was $1,300. Yeah, yeah. And I remember telling her, please, baby, baby, please, 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 please do this. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, uh, I would always tell Lina, I believe in you. I think you're so amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to have your own business. Be your own broker. Be yeah. your own thing. Stop mm -hmm. working for these companies. Like, yeah. do you, baby. Yeah. Like, you know, like, why are all your friends telling you this? Yeah. Why am I the only person who sees this? You know, like, why are you at brunch talking about this person's relationship when you should be at brunch talking about how we can all open up a bakery? Yeah. That's what I would talk about. Yeah. Remember, like, when yeah. I first, when I'd be like, oh, why don't we all open a bakery? You know, like, why don't we do something? Like, why don't you And do they're something? all looking at you like... You talk too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, can, can we switch the subject and talk shit about each other? Yeah. It's funner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You heard what this person's doing? You know, heard that th this person's boyfriend is doing? I'm like, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. man, is this the conversation that happens? Facts, facts. Just ease up, Paul. I don't ease up. Yeah. You must not know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hustler. <laughs> like, you know, and so, like, man, I, like, I remember just trying to get her to get Bitcoin. Yeah. And then now I look at it and I'm like, Oh, we would have been multimillionaires. It's still very early. We would have been multimillionaires. Did you look at XRP yet? No, no, not because you can't buy it on Coinbase. But you can. Did I just send you the app that you could buy it on? I don't think so. I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll actually do it right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, I mean, uh, I appreciate you coming through. It's been like, I don't know, for whatever reason, when I met you, dog, it was like 20 minutes. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, this dude is next level. <laughs> like, when you tell your story, I'm like, there's like a picture in my mind. And like the way my mind works is like, uh, when I hear something or when I read something great, visual, I can just see it and I can feel it and I'm right there. And like when you tell your story, dog, there's so many people that uh, relate to your story. Even if it's not a direct, everybody has felt alone. Yeah. And like, you can champion so many people dog because you fought through it and like you're still living it and you like carry that with you like your energy is just like you know that person when like you know you're gonna get into a fight or some bad situation and you want somebody with you <laughs> you don't want to play against them but you want them on your team that's you thank you brother. i appreciate that because i really appreciate that. you're like you're that type of person and it's rare because most people that have that energy where it's like, you know, this motherfucker's about that, they don't really like, you know, understand how to like, you know, there's no blurred lines in there in the sense of like think balance, yeah. right? You have great balance. And like, I know that whatever you do with like all these platforms and everything else, whoever you're involved with, they're going to know you. And that's literally all that matters because you are special. Thank you, man. I really appreciate 100%, it. 100%, man. man. I, I just, man, the number of times in my life, uh, you know, I never celebrated my birthday until a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. true. I never celebrated birthdays when I was young. Mm -hmm. I was in institutions yeah, and orphanages. Yeah, you didn't know and, and, and Zero to eight, I was just being abused every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never celebrated. I never met my mom. I never celebrated Mother's Day. Yeah. I never Thanksgivings. I started celebrating Thanksgivings and Christmases when I was like in the orphanages, but they were staged. 
You know what I'm saying? It so I would do real. it with all these different families and institutions yeah. and never felt anything significant, yeah. you know? And uh, the number of birthdays, when I, after 18, yeah. when I was on my own, yeah. the number of birthdays and Christmases and New Year's where I would cry yeah. by myself after I get off work at home yeah. because I was alone. I spent 10 to 15 New Year's Eve sitting in my room by myself. There was no internet. There was no one to talk Shit. to, and I would just cry. Yeah. I would cry on my birthdays. Yeah. The number of, you know, working their holidays when you see all these families yeah. and they're all celebrating. Working at the restaurant. And you don't stuff. have that, mm. man. It was tough. so tough to work during those, to, to work during the holidays. You yeah. know, um, um, people giving each other Mother's Day gifts and yeah. Father's Day gifts, and yeah. you know, you know that that's a blank void in your life. Yeah. You know, I cry, and yeah. that's why I always say, you know, when I hear that that juicy you know from biggie i remember the first time i was in a club in new york and they were playing juicy and everybody was singing it and it made me so upset yeah it just made me so upset you know i was like why are you all singing this song man are you not listening to it yeah it's like, hitting you this is not your guys life yeah. why are you sitting there birthdays was the worst days ah and you're laughing at yeah. it and smiling and i'm like this <laughs> is fuck. Yeah. Do you want to know what it's like yeah. when birthdays are your worst days? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's awful. It's tough. But you're right. But I fought through that. Yeah. So I want to help people, you know, yeah. like really, really, like kind of understand, like, man, you, you are living in such a great time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That you can become a podcaster or do something that can make a difference. Yeah. Nobody really wants to do anything that makes a difference. Yeah. They want to do something that makes money. Yeah. You know, and. Okay, well, how do I how do I do both? I, I don't know. Go be a waiter or a bartender, and then go be a podcaster and laugh. <laughs> right. well, well, no, no. But I want to make money doing that. Well, yeah. then I don't know. Do it for twenty years and then build you, it out. I'm forty seven. Build it out. She's fucking fifty. Yeah. Like, build it out. She's like, fucking fifty. <laughs> 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 like, like, you know, like I don't know. Like, go struggle, really struggle, and figure out a way to overcome that struggle, and then yeah. go teach that to someone. Yeah. You know, and like yeah. you'll figure it out. You'll make great money. You know, like. Yeah. You know, like that's what momentum is for, man. Right, you know, yeah, and you'll keep making the relationships, mm -hmm. you know. And this in this day and age with the internet, it's really easy to make relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can connect with people. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's the best shit ever. I love the internet. Yeah. Internet's the internet. dope. Okay, so I'm about to become a father. And uh, this is the last question I'll ask you. With balancing like life, and I know you know about life, you've mm -hmm. lived several lives with balancing life and also being an involved parent mm -hmm. how do you do it i'm all in yeah there's no balance yeah there is no balance with me yeah once you have a kid it's just like re reacting to like well, these once different you things. have a kid there's no balance yeah that's it yeah like that kid is everything to mm. me she knows <laughs> when i first met her this caused us years of problems yeah. She first met me. What was the one thing I told you that was soul crushing for you? Uh, that Julie has to be his number one priority. Yeah. I told her when I first met her, I'm going to make this, I'm going to let you know right now, my daughter is number one and you are number two until she can be good on her own. Mm -hmm. She is my priority on this fucking planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like nothing, nobody is going to make her not number one. Mm -hmm. She is 13 and a half years old. She's about to get her eighth report card with straight A's. Hmm. 
She's won every single award, honor roll, very respectful kid. She has her head on her shoulders. Mm. And the reason I said that was because she won't be number one in my life her whole life. Mm. The day she becomes 18, you are number one for the rest of my life. Yeah, she leaves the nest. And she has to deal with the world on her own. Yeah. I look at my child like, man, that's it. I, if everybody looked at their child like there's number one, that's it. She's also her stepmom also, mm -hmm. you know, so that's why I said that, yeah. you know. And um, uh, you cannot, when, mm. I grew, when, I, when I listened to people who came from loving homes, mm. who came from families that loved them and supported them, mm. it's mind-blowing just to see them living a good life yeah, how, and, and, how and, and, and this, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, don't give them too much, don't, you know. My daughter is in all these videos, eating all this good food because she's a straight A student. Yeah. She would not be in these videos if she wasn't. Yeah. And respectful and all that. Yeah. I teach my daughter my life and I, t and I, and I just teach her Jolie like, when you hit the real world, man, it's gonna change. So you like, just I tell I us really up. prepare her for this shit, you yeah. know? Like what's gonna happen? People are gonna go after your money. You're like the little turtle walking across the fucking sand getting picked off by birds when you watch it on National Geographic. Yeah. The day you graduate high school, you're that little turtle. Yeah. The sharks, the, they're all going to come for you. Yeah. The, the banks are going to come for you. The government's going to come for you. Dudes are going to come for you. Everybody's going to come for you. Yeah. They're going to want a piece of you because you're, you're fresh. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and then I really put that in her head. You know? Like, you're going to get backstabbed. All these bad, you're going to go through depression. You're going you're gonna to be addicted to something. Yeah. You know, like, be prepared for it, honey. You know, and I really preach that to her. You yeah. know, I really try to be, like, you know, you got to learn this, you know. It's really important that I go all in with you because once you're 18, you're going to go in this world and you're going to see the difference between people like you who had parents like me mm. and people who didn't. You're mm. going to see the difference very quick, mm. how quickly people just fall off mm. and get into addiction and not give a shit and give up easy as fuck and go to college and party the whole time and make believe they're going to be something they're not going to be and, and, and end up doing nothing, when those people should be the ones making the difference. Mm. Those people should be the one trying to clean up the streets. Those people should be the one, kids of the middle class, kids who are going to college and getting that education, those are the people who should be making the difference. You know, in my opinion, I always tell my daughter, you are now considered privileged to me. You're a privileged ass kid, mm. you know, and I hope you do something with that life. Mm. You know, I hope you don't just think about your future and, and not forget about the community, mm. you know, that's got to be at some point in your life, mm. you know, something you do, you mm. know, and um, I, I just think, man, being a parent, like, I always think if something happened to me, I want her to have the strength to move on mm. and, and also do something good, you know what I'm saying? Mm. You hear me, mm -hmm. you know, I write stuff, I laminate it for mm. her, so if anything ever happens to me, remember these words, you know, like, mm. and then just... You know, just just all in. Yeah, just like people people become pouring into them. People become parents, and they don't want to go all. Mm -hmm. You can, you find out very quick when someone wants to become a professional NBA player or or, or professional parent or professional anything. You find you know exactly who's willing to go all in and who's not. You know, being a parent is not something you should you know want to do with one toe in. You know what I'm saying? Like I really want to be a parent, but we got married and had a kid. 
Like, no, man, you gotta really wanna be a parent. Hmm. You really gotta wanna be a parent. And if you do happen to become a parent and you didn't wanna be a parent, then, then you're gonna figure out who you are really quick. Yeah. You know? Either you're that's gonna the moment, or you're just gonna say fuck it. That's the moment you know you're weak as fuck. Yeah. If you brought a child onto this earth yeah. and you just let go of them like, like you don't care, yeah. you're weak, man. Yeah, yeah. You're weak. You're some weak shit. Yeah. And just own up to it. Yeah. And when your kid grows up, just talk to them. Like, man, I was weak. Yeah. I was weak. I would accept that actually yeah. as a kid. I'd just that's be like, shit. well, you know, you own it. Like, at least you're not trying to pretend like you're a great person or yeah. a great dad. Like, you yeah. just, it was an accident. You didn't want to. It was not planned. And, yeah. You know, like, yeah. but you're going to have a kid go all in, man, because they'll know. Yeah. Like, who, what kid, you know, whose parents went all in is going to question them? Like, I'm not sure if my dad wants to know. You know. You fucking know. You know when your parents love you. Yeah. Kids who grew up with parents who love them know yeah. their parents love them. Yeah. You know, they weren't about trying to run a business or trying to be successful or all that to a degree where they weren't even seeing their family anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You can run. I've tried to do two businesses with my daughter there. And I, and I believe with all my heart they didn't succeed because I wasn't willing to put them at number one. That's the one thing I learned about a business. Mm -hmm. If you want to start a business while you're having a family, man. The balance. Yeah, so many things that have to kind of like Bus work out. Business is hard to do if you don't go all in. Yeah. Business is a successful business takes the all in mentality. Yeah. A successful parent takes the all in mentality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Pick one. Yeah. Because you can't go all in on both. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's you know, like, yeah. you know, so. And then people will argue that, oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Okay, cool. Yeah. Not, not me. All in is to my kid. Yeah. You know? I want her to wake up every day knowing that, you know what? My dad had two failed businesses and um, could have been this and could have been that, but he was not trying to not be my dad. Hmm. That is worth what? Priceless. Yeah. You know, and you're trying to give your kids what? All these people trying to give their kids something. Yeah. When you should just give them that, you know? Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. Very, I've always been very, you know, I talk to my daughter just like I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. You know? Straight up. Just straight up, man. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about yourself? What's your confidence like? What's your self-esteem like? That's good. You know, man. like, what's the deal? You know, like, yeah. we could get through this together. Yeah. And we have, you know? Yeah. Me and her have gone through a lot of shit together. Yeah. You know, and uh, still still going through it, you know? Yeah. She's only 13 and a half. Yeah. But she understands the world from a whole different perspective. Yeah. She's she, building she, confidence. Yeah. She understands that someone on there this earth doesn't just say they love her. Yeah. They're all in. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know my wife is all in with me. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. Yeah. That's the most gratifying feeling on earth. Yeah. Being acceptance, full acceptance. You know, it's like, man, when, when it's like, man, we're going to be able to go through anything together. Unconditional love. Like, just, like, I know there's nothing that's going to come our way we can't get through together. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Well, like with the help of family therapy, though. Yeah, he was telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, family therapy is the shit. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a good investment. Yeah, 100%. I think I'm a, I did therapy individually, yeah. mm -hmm. but we actually called the therapist. We just never followed through. But I think it's very important. It's important. We're going to pick that up. Yeah. Because it, it just helps balance things. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. we just don't, like me, I know my shit ain't right up here all the time. Like, my shit is crazy sometimes. So, 
I can only imagine some of the shit that I see as this, but it really ain't. <laughs> I'm just yeah. tripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I appreciate you, man. I'm actually gonna coin a phrase for you right now. All in, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All in, Paul. All in, man. Rumble, young man, rumble. <laughs>